heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York, in for Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, U.S. equities rose for a second day. That's as economic data and, well, actually some hope surrounding Russia's war with Ukraine started to impact investors' choices. We'll bring you the latest in terms of the market moves. Plus, the growing cyber threat out of Russia after Ukraine's institutions were attacked. How big of a risk is there for the West as well? More on that later. And the amount of misinformation spreading online in the wake of Russia's invasion is growing, how platforms are handling their role in a burgeoning war. We'll get to all of that in but a moment. But first, the prospect of talks between Russia and Ukraine has been cast, well, hope, then doubt. The Kremlin saying Kiev stopped responding after rejecting Moscow's initial offer for a meeting in Minsk, Belarus. Bloomberg's Amory Horden is here with more, and in an odd way, the market seemed to grasp onto this hope that there could be talks between Ukraine and Russia. But tell us about the real truth here. Well, if there were to be, really the timing and the location would be incredibly important. So Russia first uh, decided that they would like to hold these talks in Minsk, Belarus, but that's not going to happen, given the fact that Lukashenko has allowed Russian troops to stay in Belarus and use that as a base to then invade on Ukraine from the northern border. And the Belarus border to the capital of Kiev is about two and a half hours or three hours, depending on which side of that river you you drive upon. So this is going to be incredibly interesting if these talks were to happen. But of course, one thing on the table is that President Putin want is a veto on Ukraine joining NATO, basically mm. neutralize Ukraine in terms of whether or not it would join NATO or not. And Ukraine has constantly said they want to maintain that path to NATO membership and keep that door open. Meanwhile, therefore, next steps that you're going to be paying attention to as we head towards the weekend, we've had so much of a global narrative, China weighing in. We've looked at other key leaders in the UK and NATO leaders. What next in terms of next steps for you? So today was really about upping the sanctions against Russia. So we saw that European capitals, as well as the White House, just confirming about an hour ago with Press Secretary Jen Psaki talking about the fact that they are going ahead with sanctioning Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, as well as President Putin himself. But this is largely symbolic, giving most of his assets are relatively skim. That's official assets. But what's going to happen for the weekend, I think, is really going to depend on what happens on the ground in Ukraine. I imagine if there's anything on the diplomacy front, it'll be a lot of phone calls, but they'll probably wait until Monday, Carolina, if there's any more of this upping of the risk or the potential penalties for Russia when it comes to sanctions. Anne-Marie Horden, one of the busiest women out there this week. We hope you manage to get some rest. Thank you so much for that. Meanwhile, of course, the conflict in Ukraine has been top of mind all week, but investors Maybe taking a breath ahead of the weekend, maybe trying to reallocate amid what had been a significant sell-off during Thursday's trade to then rally higher. Ed Ludlow, bring us the Friday big moves for us. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right to position this as hope rather than substance on the talks 
between Ukraine and Russia. But a lot of green on the screen. You see there the S&P 500, the main gauge of U.S. equities up 2.25 percent. It's the biggest jump in a month. And it almost makes you forget the volatility of the week, right? Such big declines over Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday sessions because of what we saw in Ukraine. The Nasdaq 100, though, very tech heavy index, kind of underperforming because don't forget Traders are trying to make up their mind now where we stand with the Fed and the outlook for rates. So note the U.S. 10-year yield there at 1.96% had been a little higher earlier on Friday. We're off by about a basis point, softer by a basis point. So a lot to consider going into the weekend, but a sigh of relief, um, which is interesting. Going to skip ahead to semiconductors. Semiconductors, really interesting one. A big focus of Thursday's sanctions package was restricting access to technology for Russia, semiconductors being a big part of that. You see the SOX, yes, we underperformed the S&P 500, but we're still up 1.6%. Um, well, though, those that are willing to discuss it, semiconductors companies are saying, well, if supply isn't going to Russia, we have a long list of customers waiting for chips. We'll just send it somewhere else. Demand is so great. NVIDIA are also interesting. They coming out with statements saying that they have had some kind of hack to their internal systems, not doing too much to the stock. It actually rose and saw a late gain in Friday's session, up 1.7%. And Ford, up 4%, despite idling one of its most profitable lines in Kansas City for the F-150. Why, Caroline? Shortage of semiconductors. Very quickly, let me talk about Dell, because 24 hours ago, you and I were so focused on Russia, Ukraine. This is Dell over the last six days, six straight days of declines. We had earnings for the fourth quarter Thursday night, a weak profit outlook. Why? Supply chain disruptions, rising costs. They can't service demand. I'm going to be mean. I know I shouldn't do this on a Friday, <laughs> but let me just read to you this long list of superlatives. The biggest drop since April 2020 for the stock on Friday. At one point, it was facing the biggest drop on record. The stock is at its lowest level since September of since September, and this run of six days of declines is the worst streak of declines since October of 2020. So something clearly not going right for Dell, of course, such a legacy name in the world of technology. Mm. You might have missed that one for everything that's been going on in the world in the last 24 hours. Well done for shining a light on it because there's plenty we're missing amid well, what is a turbulent time in geopolitics and indeed the markets? Ed Ludlow, we thank you. Let's get even more insight on the tech sector's slightly remarkable moves. Dan Ives of Wedbush, who, of course, at the beginning of this week had said that really the situation in Ukraine couldn't have come at a worse time for tech. And then the bounce back. What is this? Is this that, you know, we'd seen so many bearish bets put on, that we'd seen so many shorts already that we sort of see the bounce back now? Look, I think it's the most oversold. It's the most oversold that I've seen tech stocks in the last six years, mm. and I think that's essentially what's what's really playing out here. I think it was oversold in terms of tech, and now you're really starting to see a bounce back, especially with what's happened with the Fed. It's going to be a slower Fed hike. That's starting to get factored in 50 bips off the table, mm -hmm. and it's oversold in terms of tech. That's why we saw the bounce back. Therefore, if we start to reassess what happens March 16th, if we don't think we're going to get a double hike, a 50 basis point move, if we start to tamper down our expectations for six, seven rate hikes over the course of the year, who wins, then in the tech sector? Well, I think it's a combo. I think you got to look at this. The large caps are going to be safety. Names like Microsoft, Apple, Intel, Cisco, safety blanket names. I think you see more and more rotation toward tech. I think you're starting to see a little more of a risk on dipping the toe in the water. 
And then you look at cybersecurity. I think some of these cybersecurity names, I, I, in my opinion, it's going to be the sector of tech that probably outperforms mm -hmm. the most, not just because I think valuations, the overall growth, and then you look at the Ukraine situation, that's going to be potentially a two to 300 bit talent. Names like Pow Alto, CrowdStrike, Zscale, or Okta, among others. And then and that's why this is one. You go into the weekend, despite the horrific situation in Ukraine, at least from a stock market perspective, tech feels like that oversold. And I, I think we're starting to put some sort of bottom in here, at least on tech. Okay, interesting. And I'm your perspective in terms of you know, the allocation to big tech as a haven or not. Do you think that it rides that wave in some way? Or is this really about trying to understand the valuation element to it all? I think part of it is valuations are, are way oversold, you know, relative. Obviously, from the beginning of the year, we see most tech down 20 percent, mm -hmm. a lot of these down 40, 50 percent relative to growth. I think it's some of the most attractive valuations we've seen going back 2015, 2016. But, I but, but I think when you look at overall mm -hmm. growth, mm -hmm. which is important, that's not changing because of the situation here. And I think when you look at overall tech, that's really, really what's, I think, resonating with investors in terms of some of these levels. And lastly, what's sort of been overlooked perhaps is also some of the idiosyncratic news, some of the M&A news, you know, Zendesk and terminating deals. The, the, are we expecting fewer combinations here, consolidation here? Is there still plenty of opportunity to be had when we're thinking of those sorts of eventualities to make us want to get into certain tech names? Oh, I think there's going to be actually an acceleration of M&A because of what you're seeing on some of the oversold names from a valuation perspective. I think names like Microsoft are going to be aggressive when it comes to specific areas like cybersecurity. I think you'll see strategic M&A as well as financial. And this is something I think behind the scenes, you have a lot of investors really focused on, you know, which are some of these oversold names you'd be looking at. I think a lot of them are names like cybersecurity and some of the cloud names in particular, just way oversold. Dan Ives on the technicals, as well as some of the fundamentals at play. We thank you so much of Wedbush. He's just been a fond of knowledge when it comes to checking out what's on the Bloomberg terminal as well amid these dramatic days. Coming up, well, the growing threat of cyber attacks, which has been talking about the opportunity to buy into the stocks. Well, what about what's actually happening on the ground? Russia attacking Ukrainian servers during its military invasion. Could we expect a global cyber warfare here? We're going to be talking with Mandians, Sandra Joyce. That's next. This is Bloomberg. to move tanks you don't have to move armories you can just use your keyboard to get across what you think is, is an active uh, art of war in an asymmetric manner so it's also something very difficult to move back against so for example if Russia strikes us with a cyber blow what is the US going to do and so that's definitely what he conceives as a, a, a an excellent use of his arsenal
that was former U.S. Assistant Secretary for Homeland Security Matt Hayden there talking about the threat of cyber attacks from Russia, not just on Ukraine, but also here in the West. Let's bring in Mandian's head of global intelligence, Sandra Joyce, to talk a little bit more about that. The most phenomenal resume in terms of the amount of, well, master's degrees that you hold in cyber policy and international affairs. Just talk to us in the here and now, Sandra, what you are telling your clients, how worried they need to be. Well, what we're telling them is that they need to be prepared, but not to panic. The, the fact of the matter is that Russian cyber aggression has been going on for many years. And a lot of the preparations that organizations are making for ransomware and other attacks that are the same preparations that we're asking them to make today. Any industry groups that are more vulnerable than others or indeed that you feel could be under greater threat than others? Well, the risk of, of uh, reciprocal action against or cyber action against U.S. businesses, the risk of that does go up with the application of sanctions. And when we're looking at reciprocity, a lot of the sanctions are based on financial effects. Mm. We might expect to see some action against the financial sector, but it wouldn't be just limited to the financial sector if it were to happen. And that's because cyber attacks can create effects across all industries. Um, and, and that is really what I believe the Russian aggression is about. It's about um, creating fear, doubt, uncertainty, uh, and that's going to be very powerful if they can actually uh, get that done. Fear, doubt, uncertainty was certainly increased in Ukraine amid a, well, not one but two cyber attacks, which seem to be more DDoS distributed, denial of service attacks, uh, an inability to communicate, particularly with their front lines. But I'm interested in what types of attacks you might see in the Ukraine, but also perhaps closer to home. Is it that sort of attack or is it more ransomware that we need to fear? Well, what we should be thinking about is what is the effect that the Russian government would be trying to, to get? So they could use a very low sophistication technique like a DDoS attack. But what is accompanying with that are things like text messages. We saw this in Ukraine, text messages going out to banking customers, telling them that the, the banks were down, that they wouldn't be able to get their money. That is an effect that's really cognitive. It's psychological. Mm. I think that what we're going to be seeing from that Russian playbook is a psychological attachment to any of the cyber actions that they're taking, trying to drive down the resolve of the people. Uh, the application of sanctions and their effectiveness is really driven by the willingness of the people to support them. And if Russia can get uh, you know, their, their target population, whether it's in Ukraine or elsewhere, to start doubting their government, to weaken their resolve, then they will have achieved the effect that they're looking for. Okay, so give us as a consumer, but also the clients that you speak to, a sort of quick 101 of what we should be looking for, how we should be acting in this current environment. Well, really what we need to be doing is looking for anomalies in our networks. We should already be practicing cyber hygiene. Mm -hmm. um, what, run that playbook. If you know that you're gonna be taking actions, uh, separating networks or segmenting them, uh, who's responsible for that? Is your general counsel part of your tabletop exercises? If not, they should be. And a lot of this will also require a, a connection to your, your PR or media relations team. Because if you are a, a target of, of significance, there certainly is going to be a lot of messaging around that. In fact, you can expect things like defacements or a narrative come out that could be completely fabricated. So really what organizations need to be doing is to prepare in the way that they would be preparing for any 
ransomware attack or any type of other breach of their network, get the playbook in place and then remediate and press on because our resilience is very important here. It's mm. essential not to panic. Companies get breached every day and they do continue uh, once the remediation is complete. We, of course, talk a lot about defense, but we've started for, I feel like, the first time to hear from uh, potentially the administration to talk about offense when it comes to cyber, well, attack to a certain degree. What do you think could be deployed to be able to, you know, take it back upon Russia in some way? Well, the U.S. military, of course, has every option available to them, and, and it doesn't need to be uh, a cyber response. In fact, if military action um, were to come, they would there would be quite a few different options. But one thing to remember here is there are multiple instruments of national power. If the United States decides that it's going to go on offense, it can go on offense in many ways, diplomatically, uh, economically, um, in, even in within the, the breadth of military tools, there are low-level um, you know, things that can be done all the way to some of the more sophisticated um, um, attacks that could happen. But really, it's not about the mode and mean of it. What it is, it's about the effect. What effect do you want to reach? And how is the most efficient application um, that you can put out there uh, to gain that effect? And quickly, Sandra, the people, at, well, the, the places these attacks are coming from, is it becoming easier and easier to identify very quickly? Because that seemed to have been what the case was, to ensure that we knew that these were coming from Russia, even if it wasn't exactly from the government itself. Well, we do know quite a bit about the Russian threat, uh, cyber threat apparatus. Over the several years that they have been conducting attacks, um, not only the governments, but also commercial companies like my own, have enumerated a lot of their capabilities. And so we know quite a bit about them. Uh, they've been operating in safe harbor in Russia or in, in adjacent areas for quite a number of years. So a lot is known about them. Uh, the, the thing that gets tricky is that it is, uh, they've been operating in an area where we have thus far not had jurisdiction or uh, a lot of options in order to stop the activity. Really great to get your expertise amid this current environment. Sandra Joyce, Mandiant Executive Vice President and Head of Global Intelligence. Pretty busy woman, I think. Meanwhile, coming up, YouTube massively popular in Russia. And now Google is facing pressure to cut back on ties to pro-Russian channels. So as countries continue to sanction Russia, we'll discuss the knock-on effect for some US-based businesses. This is Bloomberg. So with sanctions on Russia ramping up following its invasion of Ukraine, certain companies like, well, Google's YouTube are under pressure to remove or cut commercial ties with some of its most prolific pro-Russian channels. For more on this story, I'm joined by Bloomberg's Mark Bergen, who covers Google, of course, Alphabet, the parent company, and done a great deep dive on this. Just how deep do these relationships run, Mark? 
Yeah, that's that's hard to say. It's kind of a repeat of 2017. If you remember, there was a lot of criticism around uh, Russia today and uh, Russian influence after the 2016 election that clearly a lot of that was around some of the bot networks that hit Facebook and Twitter. But on YouTube, you know, Russia Today advertiser itself, you can go look at their English page as the, uh, the world's most popular news channel on YouTube. Uh, they're tremendously successful for 4 million subscribers. They built up uh, in, in part with a very aggressive digital strategy. And they're part of a network of, you know, there's some analysts that estimate close to 100 channels that have commercial ties to entities that are under, uh, they've been under sort of lesser sanctions prior to this past week. Uh, and now there are, you know, the EU and the UK and the US are introducing new sanctions that uh, impact individuals, either prominent TV journalists that have YouTube channels or members of the close to the Kremlin uh, that have connections with Russian media. And a lot of Russian media is very popular on, on YouTube. Interesting. So how does one go about cutting it? I mean, before we've seen them label, indeed, sort of some of these sorts of state funded videos and channels. But do you just cut it off entirely? How, how do you control it? Uh, so, you know, at this point, YouTube's only kind of come out and said that they're looking, they're paying a lot of attention to misinformation. Mm. Uh, and that's been something we saw Senator Warner kind of call that out. His, his term was propaganda. Uh, the, the clear, I think, uh, commercial ties with, with YouTube is they run ads, right? They have a revenue split with all their YouTube channels. Uh, and so every ad you go and see, you know, I was just looking uh, earlier this morning, you know, the, a lot of these, at least in the U.S., they, they run commercials. That's a, a split with with YouTube, YouTube could decide to uh, demonetize and, and no longer run ads on those channels, which they have on, on in some cases. Uh, there are clearly even some former Google lawyers that are sort of calling for them to make more drastic measures and actually cut those channels off entirely. Interesting. Once again, very difficult conversations, I'm sure, being had at an executive level, Mark. To, is the response also, though, if it's not on Alphabet's own YouTube, it's being forced elsewhere. How much are we seeing still YouTube being used by such uh, news organizations or, or indeed state-funded organizations, or are they going on to other parts of the internet? Uh, so YouTube's been prominent. I mean, what the interesting thing about YouTube is that it's both popular in, in Russia for a lot of these state-backed media and sort of pro-Kremlin media. It's also been a huge uh, asset for the opposition. Uh, uh, Navalny, who's the opposition leader, uh, has a massively popular YouTube channel. YouTube often likes to point out that uh, in a country with tight controls of state media and broadcast, YouTube does offer avenues for criticism. Uh, and I think that's a fair and valid point. Uh, what's also happening is that they are under incredible amounts of pressure even prior to this past week from the Russian government uh, around, there's been this contention around uh, a particular YouTube channel that, that YouTube blocked. That was, uh, and then there was a court fine, and now they're paying a regular daily fine, Google is. Um, they're under increasing pressure along with Facebook and, and Twitter to take down accounts that the Russian government has, has told them uh, are either extremist or, or um, using the guise of misinformation. Mark Bergen, it's a great story. Go and read it. Google faces sanctions dilemma with pro-Russia YouTube channels. We thank you so much for breaking it all down for us. Stay well. Meanwhile, coming up, we continue the conversation on social media's role in all of this, really. Facebook, of course, parent company Meta, now weighing in after Russia said it was limiting access to the platform. We'll be discussing the ramifications, the roles, the duties, and the difficult conversations probably being held at executive levels across social media in the US. This is next. This is Bloomberg.
This is Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. Now, as we headed into the end of what was a pretty tense week, to say the least, investors still making sense of how to navigate the situation, of course, between Russia and Ukraine. Ed Ludlow is here with what has been a remar remarkable rally, actually, into the end right. of the week. Yeah, it has. And you're, you're trying to work out what your exposure is in financial markets. You're also trying to work out which companies and stocks are going to be impacted in the short and long term. And this is a discussion we've got to have around social media, Meta, parent company of Facebook, and also Twitter, of course. You know, Meta coming out saying that Russian authorities ordered them to stop fact-checking and labeling posts on the Facebook platform by state-run media, to which Facebook declined to do so. An interesting analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence jumped on this really quickly, saying that in the case of Meta, you could see one to two percentage points of a hit to daily active users. But which company might benefit here? Twitter. Really interesting. We know this from the Olympics, right? We know this from the Super Bowl. Twitter is an event-driven platform, and Bloomberg Intelligence estimating they could actually get a short-term boost for their active users from what's going on on the ground in Russia and Ukraine, no matter how tense and difficult it is to see for afar. It's also interesting to see where capital's flowing. We look at some of the ETFs. I'd love to take a look at the ETF space on a Friday, Caroline. ARK is a name so familiar to us, right? This is the big fund, Cathy Wood and ARK. Money's been going into this fund last couple of days. Big gains over a two-day basis, I think 10.5% over the last 48 hours or so. But if you compare that to the Van Eck Russia ETF, which also saw a big rebound on Friday and saw inflows, you have to ask about what the psychology of investors is here. Because this was a big rebound, right, in the Van Eck ETF. That was a massive drop Wednesday, Thursday. This is an ETF that tracks Russian equities. Now you have people coming in. Are these bottom feeders? Are these guys coming in trying to buy the bottom? Or are they looking at shorting? Russian equity, short interest in that ETF gaining as well. But what's the rationale of going into ARK? If you look at the performance of these ETFs relative to their 52-week highs or over the last 12 months, in other words, we bring up the next board, there's a real difference in what's going on here. These are two very different ETFs tracking very different basket of stocks. But on a 52-week basis or a drawdown from a 52-week high, we are in pretty much the same place. So the point I'm making is investors seem to take stock on Friday and say, I'm going to go back into technology stocks. I'm going to go back a little bit into this ETF that's tracking Russian equities mm. and see what my exposure is going forward. Ed Ludlow, great way to wrap up an extraordinary week. We thank you so much. Now, we want to turn our attention to the role of social media in what's currently occurring in Ukraine. Russia, of course, no stranger to peddling disinformation especially now as it tries to shape the narrative of the war it created. It announced that it was restricting use of Facebook due to the company fact-checking content posted by state-run media. In a statement, Meta's Nick Clegg wrote, in part, ordinary Russians are using Meta's apps to express themselves and organize for action. We want them to continue to make their voices heard, share what's happening and organize. For more on all of this, I'm very pleased to be joined by Margarita Kunayev. She's the Associate Director for the Center of Security and Emerging Technology, along with Brett Schaefer. He's a Senior Fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy. Rita, first and foremost, what's the playbook we're currently seeing out of Russia at the moment? I think it's been a standard combination of things that we've seen before with an influx of some new messaging. It is a reiteration of the narrative that NATO expansion has driven Russia to defend itself, which is obviously a disinformation tactic designed to justify the 
current attacks and a lot of the probably uh, atrocities that we'll be seeing increasingly so. Another emphasis is being put at dissuading ordinary Russians from taking a stand against the conflict and against the war. And I think we're soon are also going to be seeing uh, an argument that those domestic protests are being driven by external uh, CIA fomented uh, mm. those points that we've seen before. So in combination of targeting domestic audiences as well as looking externally, it's tools that Russia has uh, honed in its previous disinformation and disinformation campaigns in Ukraine and then in Syria, and now we're seeing it repeated again in a way that has been difficult to tackle for those media companies that you discussed earlier. Yeah, Brett, difficult to tackle, and particularly when Russia's sort of saying no longer wants to be using the, the, the meta platform in that respect. How do you see social media companies such as YouTube, owned by Google, Alphabet, Meta's, Facebook and Instagram, how do, you, how do you see them being able to respond to this in the real time? Yeah, I think it's going to be a real moment of reckoning for the U.S. social media companies. I mean, for years they have tried to be neutral platforms where they have allowed different perspectives to exist. Yes, they have labeled Russian state media outlets as being Russian state media outlets, but they've also labeled U.S. government-funded state media outlets. I think at some point they may be forced into taking sides here. And frankly, that choice may not be theirs because I think the Russian government is going to continue to crack down on Western social media companies. Of course, we saw that today. But I think it's, it's possible, if not likely, at some point that the Russian government, if this, if this conflict continues to escalate, that they will just cut off access to Twitter, Facebook, Google for their own domestic population. And to that end, Rita, how effective would that be? Of course, we all know a VPN when we want to use one, but I'm interested as to what outlets already people are using, how much perhaps Ukraine, Rus Russian people have preempted the fact that it might be harder to access certain Western providers. Absolutely. And I think in modern society, you can never really hermetically seal a country anymore, especially a country that has already been integrated into um, the outside world. We're not talking about North Korea here uh, or even China. We're talking about a country that has been, Ukraine itself has been fully integrated into Europe and even the great parts of Russia are been European facing. So the apps that even if we're seeing, you know, reduced access to Facebook. Uh, we just talked about YouTube being a meaningful platform that regular Russians follow. They also use WhatsApp and Telegram, and those are apps that will continue to be a way for people to communicate. And at the same time, unfortunately, we're also seeing the spread of disinformation there. So I don't think Russia will be able to hermetically seal um, the internet as we know it here, but there's no argument that they will try to control the information that is reaching Russian citizens much more tightly. And Brett, to that point, you know, how how is it a good way of layman terms to be ensuring that you're not being targeted by misinformation, that we're not, I mean, we just heard of the cyber attacks that could occur, the ways in which they're sending text messages to people and the like. How do you feel that from a social media perspective, people can really try to, with rigor, understand what's true, what's not? 
Russia has significant information capabilities. And that starts, of course, with their state media outlets that are very active. They're very successful across multiple social media platforms. Those are the easy ones to deal with because we know what they are. They're attributable. So they can be labeled. Uh, information consumers understand where the information is coming from and the intent behind it. What gets a little bit trickier is Russia also has significant capabilities in the covert space. So we know that they've run troll farms. They've run pages presenting themselves as being sort of genuine American uh, political opinion pages, but of course have been connected back to Russia. So they have ways of messaging and a capability that doesn't make it entirely clear where the information is coming from. This is even very difficult for the social media companies to ferret out. Mm. So as information consumers, I think we just have to remain uh, vigilant and very skeptical because Russia has ways of reaching us that don't necessarily come through outlets that identify themselves as having a connection to the Russian government. And Rita, very briefly, the amount that's been spent by certain companies to beef up the AI, to ensure they can take down bots, to, you know, to be a fact checker of choice, do you think that's enough? Is there still so much work to be done or have they done all they can to a certain extent? I think there's a lot more to be done and not just in the that automatic uh, false actor bot space. There's a lot to be done in an area that we're uncomfortable to deal with. And it is the fact that, you know, like Brett mentioned, there are what appears to be legitimate Western political opinion formers that are then later discovered to be Russian bots or Russian uh, influencers masquerading somebody else. At the same time, we are also dealing with actual real people in the West who are of political influence one way or another, mm. who are, whether intentionally or unintentionally, end up amplifying a lot of the Russian messaging. And that is something that I think Americans and people throughout Europe should be much more cognizant of. Mm. Hold ourselves to account to Margarita Kanaev. We thank you so much. Brett Schaefer, real expertise from you both. We thank you for it. Have a good weekend. Meanwhile, coming up, the fight over control for information in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. We're talking with Arweave, a decentralized storage network built on a blockchain-like data structure, and it's designed to provide permanent data storage, safe from state censorship. We'll discuss. This is Bloomberg. Of course, crypto has been a focus throughout the Ukraine-Russia tension, in large part because of the price moves, but also because of the ways in which maybe some oligarchs could or could not be using the technology. But also, let's talk a little bit about how we could use the technology, the underlying technology, not ideally, ideally blockchain per se, but this time block weave is something that we could be looking at. Arweave is a Berlin-based blockchain startup that built an archival platform for permanent data storage as a means to actually counter state censorship of online information sources. Our we founder, Sam Williams, joins us now. I'm very pleased to say so too does our lead in our crypto discussions, Bloomberg Shanali Basak. And Shanali, I want you to take it away first with Sam. Yeah, Sam, you know, I think this situation in Ukraine is such an interesting example of where storage decentralized could be applicable. Can you explain what's happening when it comes to Ukraine and the types of information you're able to store in a decentralized way? 
Yes, well, we think that in order to learn from the past effectively, we need to store the past in such a way that it's not going to be altered over time. So we built a ledger that is decentralized in nature. It stores this information in hundreds, if not thousands of places across the world, uh, and then backs that storage with a sustainable endowment. Um, and essentially what our community has done has created archiving bots that are putting approximately a million pieces of data a day into this system and replicating it around the world such they can't be altered in essentially forever. Can you tell us a little bit about whether or not we're already seeing your technology being used? How are you de deploying effectively an ability to ensure that what is currently being written in history remains so? Well, we use cryptography to back the system in order to make sure that information can't be changed once it's put inside the network. And then we have a system similar to proof of work with Bitcoin, except we use uh, storage, essentially storing the data set as the work in the system. And that proves that the data has not changed over a large period of time. I'm wondering how people use the data after it's stored. You have this instance, for example, where Senator Pat Toomey had talked about Arweave's use of uh, the, the technology in order to store work when it comes to Apple Daily in China and the inability for the government to erase the information that surrounded Apple Daily. So how then does the U.S. or other people and actors and governments start to take a look at the data that is being stored? Well, I think the key thing is that, that information is available all across the world, not just in the US. So when a piece of data is stored inside Arweave, you can collect that data from hundreds, if not thousands of different places. So while China may have um, successfully, unfortunately, removed the stand or, or uh, Apple Daily from the internet, they really can't remove access to Arweave in any serious fashion. And that means that that information is still available to local populace if they want to access it. Just remind us of course, with every of the protocol tends to come, a token, the Arweave token in particular, how is it incentivizing people to be using your, your uh, particular provision, how many people are? Uh, using it on the uh, storing side or on the uh, hosting side, if you will. So, well, either way, it's, it's about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people on the storing side. Um, and then there's hundreds, two thousands, depending on the time, about 900 right now, I think. Uh, data storers that are replicating that information around the world. Well, speaking of funds, <laughs> and you're announcing a, a fundraise, right? So what will you do with the funds? You know, you have some really interesting large backers, Andreessen Horowitz, Blockchain Capital, Coinbase Ventures. To what degree can you grow using the new funds? Well, I mean, we've we've taken investment from many different people over, over the years, and also many of those people that you just mentioned also bought the tokens just from the open market. But um, the key thing for us, I think, is backing new founders um, in the ecosystem that are using the technology that we've created to new use cases. So for example, our drive uh, projects in the RWB ecosystem just raised $18 million in order to uh, create enterprise uh, solutions on top of the system that allow you know, businesses to store their data in perpetuity as well, which of course is very important for compliance reasons sometimes. Mm. We want to be thanking you for your time, Sam Williams, of course, are we founder? And we want to thank Shanali Basak for bringing, helping us bring that interview and clearly some use cases currently being evolved as we look between the Russia and Ukraine uh, invasion. Coming up, 
what we can learn from Russia's history of cyber attacks and be better prepared against future threats. That's next. This is Bloomberg. With Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it's been, of course, accompanied by cyber attacks actually preempting it to a certain extent. And now the question arises, how do you prepare for cyber conflict? Can you glean hints from history? Our next guest has some insights into just that. Chet Wisnowski is a threat hunter of sorts at security software company Sophos. It is great to have some time with you. and. Chet, talk to us about what we've learned in previous years and previous, I mean, we've learned what perhaps sanctions do to Russia in their response. What has their response been in terms of cyber? Well, it's been quite a, uh, a history. Uh, you know, most nation states haven't really been caught doing too much. But with Russia, there was a lot of information to mine. Uh, there were, you know, they started doing cyber attacks against Estonia back in 2007 and followed that with uh, attacks against Georgia a little after that. Of course, there were attacks during the Crimean invasion uh, in 2014. Uh, we've even seen them mess with Kyrgyzstan and other uh, countries as well. And so we were kind of able to kind of put together a bit of a a map of things as you see there on the screen and depending on the types of attacks there's always a bit of a pattern to it which is uh, what we call denial of service but in mm -hmm. essence taking down you know news and government websites that kind of thing to create confusion uh, followed by a lot of other types of attacks talk to us about the other types because we've seen the ddos attacks so far in particular affecting ukraine but what next well, you know, we, we saw a little bit of activity earlier this week just before the land invasion, which is, again, something we've seen before in Russian operations, which are not attributed to Russia yet uh, by any government agency, but it's suspected uh, these so-called wiper attacks, which in essence is a, a computer virus that gets on your computer. And instead of uh, stealing information or things like that, it simply wipes the hard disk so the computer is inoperable mm. to sort of disrupt things. Uh, and we, we did see some of that on Wednesday this week, right? before the land invasion. Interesting. And we're just talking to Sam Williams of Wildweave about how to be protecting your data and ensuring it can be stored for longer periods of time. Um, what about people in terms of how stressed the systems already are by the fact that many people are working from home at the moment? Is that, have we got the level of cybersecurity that we, we should have? Have we learned the lessons of past? Well, unfortunately, we're, our cybersecurity is not in good shape anywhere globally, and mm -hmm. in particularly in Ukraine, where uh, you know resources were more limited than perhaps we have in the West uh, financially. But uh, the pandemic has not helped us either, right? Uh, we've we've opened more remote doors to provide access to our networks and our information than we normally would have, say, publicly facing, and as a result, uh, that is that many more opportunities for criminals or nation states to exploit that uh, that openness. And in past, we've, of course, talked about the vulnerability of infrastructure, in particular power infrastructure and the like. Is that what we should be suspecting this time? What does history tell us about where we should look for vulnerabilities going forward? Uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, I'm not a political scientist, so I don't want to comment too much on uh, on the politics of it. But it would certainly seem at this point uh, we've moved into a phase where sort of non-state actors are taking over as sort of patriotic hackers, if you will. Um, the Ukrainian president Zelensky called on 
Ukrainian mm. patriots to try to hack back at Russia. Um, we've already, throughout the day today, it's been evolving. We've seen several criminal groups that are largely believed to be based in Russia make public, public proclamations that they're going to come after U.S. and Western assets and, and retribution mm. uh, for the sanctions or whatever other penalties we're imposing on Russia. And so that's ransomware, is it, that they'll be coming after, do you think? Certainly, uh, ransomware groups are the ones that have been chattering, that's for sure. Um, they're not limited to ransomware necessarily. Uh, the one particular ransomware group known as Conti uh, has, uh, in our experience, uh, performed some of these wiping attacks when they weren't paid the ransom uh, in a previous ransom attempt. So they could certainly get even nastier than taking our data and simply uh, abuse access. They may have already footholds that they have inside of Western assets and just delete things to be disruptive. Chet, how many calls are you getting at the moment? So what are you doing to help your clients? Uh, well, it's it's a busy time, and uh, you know the the challenge for each individual organization is identifying what their weaknesses are, and on short notice, uh, what they may be able to do to try to mm -hmm. mitigate some of the risk of being victimized. And so, there's been a lot of uh, long, well thought out conversations with some of the larger clients, just having conversations about what can you do right now uh, to make the best of the situation, and what do you watch for to know that something may be underway where you may want to batten down the hatches. One thing that we should look for? Well, uh, certainly um, we've seen a lot of abuse of unpatched networking equipment. So back to that uh, COVID pandemic mm. question, all of us working from home with VPNs and things, uh, the Russians have uh, persistently abused uh, those flaws when they're not fixed. And so certainly making sure those fixes are applied and monitoring the network very careful for unusual activity, especially things that may involve you know, large quantities uh, of data being transported at off hours are often signs of an extortion a ransomware attack. Chet, really good to speak with you. Thank you so much. Chet Wisniewski. Thank you very much. Principal Research Scientist at Sophos. Meanwhile, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. You want to stick around though, Wall Street Week is up next. My colleague David Weston, of course, leading that as always. Larry Summers there to discuss and a real deep dive into an extraordinary week in where we actually saw US benchmarks close the week higher. He's going to be joined by Jane Harmon, president of the Wilson Center, alongside Kate Moore, CEO of BlackRock Global Allocation Team and former Treasury Secretary, as I mentioned, Larry Summers. Stay with him from a clearer New York, wishing you all a well weekend. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle. story the all big 10 women's teams voted on by the conference coaches and media 10 players each on the first and second teams you see the first team here it was identical with the coaches and the media the coaches team included 10 
uh, five, I should say, unanimous selections. They're Iowa's Caitlin Clark, Michigan's Nas Hillman, Michigan State's Nia Cloudin, Northwestern's Veronica Burton, and J.C. Sheldon of Ohio State. Grace Berger, Monica Sinano, Angel Reese, Taylor Mikesell, and McKenna Marisa all making the team as well. Here is the second team. Twelve players made it in all as there were a few differences between the coaches and media. It includes three players from Indiana, meaning the Hoosiers had four players on the first and second teams. Maryland doing them one better, five players between the two teams. Also includes a freshman, Nebraska's Alexis Markowski, will reveal individual award winners later in the show. Healing Clark, Jason Money with that step back three. That time from Caitlin Clark into the front court. Shimmy shake, Caitlin Clark just making things happen. She has some moxie, doesn't she? I mean, my goodness, Caitlin Clark. Clark up ahead to Marshall and gets two. She's so herky-jerky, hesitation moves. She'll get you off balance. That was just pretty to watch. Sky's the limit for Caitlin Clark. From the not even remotely shocking but true file, Iowa's Caitlin Clark has been named Big Ten Women's Player of the Year. Clark on pace to lead the nation in scoring for the second straight season. Also leads in assists. No women's player in history has ever pulled off that double. Only Trey Young has done it on the men's side. She has a conference record five triple doubles on the year. More on Clark's remarkable season. Has scored 30 or more points 10 times, 40 or more three times. Among her greatest attributes, seemingly unlimited shooting range, as evidenced by the fact she is shooting 67% on shots from beyond 30 feet. Caitlin Clark joins us. She is today's big interview. Caitlin, congratulations. First of all, what does it mean to you to, to get this honor? Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And obviously, this is a huge honor. It's huge for our program. Um, and obviously, a lot of great players that came before me and won this award, too, like Megan Gustafson and Kathleen Doyle. So. Um, something our program is kind of used to, but you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my teammates. They make me look really good, and and same with our coaching staff. But you know this is a tremendous honor, and I'm very grateful. You mentioned Megan Gustafson and Kathleen Doyle. Megan actually won it twice, so we're talking now for the mm-hmm. last five years that an Iowa player has won Big Ten Player of the Year. How special does it feel to be a part of that group? Oh, it's super special. I think anytime you win any award, but especially this one, and obviously we have a rich tradition in winning it, but I think that just kind of speaks to Coach Bluter and Coach Jay and really our whole coaching staff and and the talent they develop. Um, We had a post win it, two point guards win it, so um, it's it's pretty special and and something that we really celebrate. You've talked about the team and, of course, some massive team accomplishments this year as well, including winning a share of the Big Ten title, first time since 2008 that that has happened for Iowa. You did it at home on Sunday. What was it like to celebrate with your teammates? Oh, I mean, it was amazing. I don't think we could have scripted it any better. 15,000 fans sold out. They were super loud. Our senior day as well um, versus the number six team in the country. And then 
winning in the, in the fashion that we did. It was just super fun basketball. And I mean, like I said, I don't think we could have scripted it any better. It just went so smoothly. And it was probably the most fun basketball game I've ever played in. Uh, the thing that was so cool to me was the crowd. I mean, they were energized mm-hmm. from the word go. You mentioned mm-hmm. it was a sellout. It was a first sellout since that 2008 season as well. What is it mm-hmm. like to run out of that tunnel and to see the place completely jammed to the rafters? Yeah, and I think that kind of just speaks to the culture in this community. Um, Hawk fans are like no other. They love women's sports, especially women's basketball. And Coach Bluter's really built this program, um, and people are excited about this program. But you know, when I ran out of the tunnel, I got chills, and I looked at my teammates, and we were all just like, "Wow!" Like, you know, it's really something special. And I think we like really did a good job of taking in the moment and enjoying every single second um, that we were on the court together. It's interesting in in watching your game, you know, people compare you. We love to compare in basketball. Who's this player like? And I think Steph Curry is the one that comes into mind, just kind of the unlimited shooting range. I mentioned Trey Young and leading the nation in scoring and assists. I think for the really old folks, maybe Pete Maravich. I don't know how much you know about about his game. On the women's side, Sue Bird, I think, is one that, that kind of comes to mind for people. Who do you emulate? Like, when you watched players on television, whether they were men or women, whose game did you try to incorporate into your own? Yeah, I honestly grew up loving basketball. Like, I've loved it since the second I started playing it. So I was always around the game. I had brothers that played, cousins that played. Um, But Maya Moore was definitely my favorite player growing up, and also Sue Bird. Um, Because the Minnesota Lynx, who Maya Moore played for, was the closest WNBA team to Des Moines. So I'd go to to her games, but no, it was super fun. I always dreamed of being in her shoes one day. And now to kind of be here living living the dream on the college level is pretty special. But, um, you know, also KD and a lot of NBA players, Steph Curry. Um, my family is a huge sports family, so we would always have games on, on, on TV, and I'd always just go out to the driveway and just imagine the situation and, and want, want to be in it one day. I saw an article where you were talking about texting with Kevin Durant. You've had all kinds of NBA players and WNBA players kind of shout you out in various ways mm-hmm. and, and highlight what you're doing. What's it like to be famous? I mean, you in this last year have really kind of become famous, not kind of, you are. What, what is that like? No, I mean, I think more than anything, when you have those pro players and then shouting you out, um, I think it just shows how much they appreciate the game and, and really inspire the next generation. I still get starstruck if it's like KD, Sue Bird, um, John Morant, Trey Young, really whoever it is talking about my game or talking about my team. Um, I'm always still starstruck in a way, um, and I think it's super cool. But I think Katie especially, like, he doesn't just talk the talk about supporting women's sports. Like, he, he really, truly does, and he loves the game. You cannot go to the WNBA next year due to age limitations. Obviously, from mm-hmm. the point of view of, of Iowa fans, they are <laughs> delighted that, that you'll be back. <laughs> Monica's coming back as well. You're going to have a, a fabulous mm-hmm. team. But how do you feel about that rule? Yeah, I know. I think there's a lot of things that would have to change for that age limit rule to change as well. But honestly, I love it here in Iowa City, so I don't really want to leave anytime soon. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited that I have another another two years and possibly three. So 
Um, I think it's going to be really special. And like you said, we have all five starters returning next year as well, along with Monica, who will be using her COVID year. So um, that's something to look forward to as well because, you know, she's an amazing player. I think she's the best big in the country. And, you know, I'm lucky to play with her. Iowa has not made the Final Four since 1993. It is March now. You are beginning postseason play. Your next games will be postseason games. So I think it's fair game to talk about that and to talk about goals. Mm -hmm. How much do you guys discuss internally what's coming up here in this next month? Yeah, um, we always have big goals, and we, we always talk about that. We have a written on a locker. We wanted to be Big Ten champs, and we want to go to the Final Four. Those are our two main goals. But I think at the same time, we really do focus going 1-0 every single time we step on the floor or going 1-0 in practice every single day. You know, we don't always look too far ahead. We're, uh, we're always in the moment. We are where our feet are. And um, But, yeah, we have big goals, big aspirations, and I think we are playing our best basketball right now. And, and you're really starting to see that, I think, getting everybody healthy, um, getting rid of those injuries and really coming together. And, you know, this is when you need to play your best basketball and, and March the best time of year for basketball. So I'm excited. What's the biggest emotion that you feel? You mentioned excitement there. Are there nerves as it kind of all comes together as, as you head into kind of this pinnacle of the season, which you've been working for throughout the off season, throughout the regular season, to get to this point? What's the emotion that defines this moment? I think just excitement overall. Like you said, this is what you've been working for for however many months. And um, to get our team healthy and, and really just looking back and t going through all those summer workouts, those fall workouts, like these are the moments that you work for, playing in March Madness, playing in the Big Ten tournament. So... Um, just enjoying every single second because it goes so fast. But, you know, I'm excited. This is the best time of year for basketball. And, you know, we're playing super well right now. So we just need to continue that going forward. Well, you certainly are. Cannot wait to see what the postseason holds here for you and for the Hawkeyes. Kaylin Clark, it has been such a pleasure to follow your season to this point. Congratulations on being named Player of the Year and looking forward to seeing what's next. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Some more awards. Here are the six players on the all-defensive teams between the media and coaches, all of whom were named either first or second team all-conference. Unsurprisingly, Northwestern's Veronica Burton named the Defensive Player of the Year. The leader of the Cats' blizzard defense tops the nation in steals. The all-freshman teams highlighted by Alexis Markowski, who wins Freshman of the Year, the Lincoln native won Freshman of the Week eight times, so not a shock here. Leads all Big Ten freshmen in scoring and rebounding. Also on that team, Cheyenne Sellers of Maryland, who was named the sixth player of the year. Michigan's Kim Barnes-Arico named the Big Ten Coach of the Year by both the media and her fellow coaches. Barnes-Arico capturing the award for the second time. She also won it five years ago. Wolverines have been a mainstay in the top 10 this year, getting as high as number four, the best ranking in school history. Kim Barnes-Arico joining us now from Ann Arbor, just coming off of practice and sitting down to, to chat about this award. Coach, we appreciate you making time for us. What does it mean to you to have won this honor? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I just think there's 
so many coaches in our conference that are worthy of this award, especially this season. Um, we've had uh, so many great teams, uh, so many great games, and for um, my my fellow coaches and the media to to give me this award among the company that I was in is truly an honor. Um, like I said, I just think our conference is stronger than it's ever been, and there were a lot of people worthy of this award. So just, you know, thank you for everybody um, naming me, and, and thanks to my assistant coaches, obviously, that made this possible, as well as the in incredible team that I've had an opportunity to coach this season. It has been an incredible team. You finished on the precipice of winning a Big Ten title, and I know it. It gets a, a little touchy because you had a game that you did not get to make up where had you made that game up, you probably would have shared the Big Ten championship. What have you said to your team about that kind of disappointment, for lack of a better word? Yeah, um, you know, it, it was pretty gut-wrenching for sure. A lot of sleep, sleepless nights for sure. Um, but, you know, we, we have had to be in situations before where you have to ha handle adversity and where you have to bounce back and where, you know, things don't seem fair, but it's always about how you respond. And I think this is just another one of those situations of, okay, you know, things, things didn't go as planned. And we've been in them before, you know, a number of years ago, we were in a similar situation where we didn't get selected to the NCAA tournament. And we felt as if we checked all the boxes we needed to to get accepted and it was kind of this year we felt like we checked all the boxes we needed to I mean we had an opportunity to beat Maryland twice and, and to beat Ohio State twice and to split with Iowa and to beat Indiana, who are, I, I mean, I just mentioned four incredibly, incredibly top teams in our league. And, and to not get a share of that, it hurts. But I think it's important for us to be able to move forward. I, I think the other thing, you know, that, that speaks volumes about our team and the rest of the league is that we've managed to to keep our success with injuries throughout the course of the season and um, not only have we done that but Maryland has done it and Indiana has done it and Iowa has done it um, so I, I just think our, our league has been uh, you know had some injuries, been banged up through the course of the year, and we just continue to respond night in and night out. And down the, the last stretch of this season, we all had an opportunity to play each other down the final stretch. And I hope, you know, the, the NCAA turn, uh, selection committee looks at all that stuff because uh, I feel like our league is stronger than ever, and, it, and it's really special from top to bottom. Will you have a chance now as you head into the Big Ten tournament to do something that Michigan has never done, and that is win the Big Ten tournament? You are the third seed in this tournament. How much have you used that as an incentive, a, a chance maybe to uh, right that wrong would be a way of putting it, or, or just kind of put a stamp on, on what's been a great Big Ten season for you? 
Yeah, I think it's really important for us moving forward. You know, that that was a goal of our senior class when they came in as freshmen is to win that Big Ten championship. And and they want to hang another banner in, in Chrysler Arena. And that's, that's, you know, our vision. That's our goal. So we have another opportunity to do it. Um, but, but like I said, you know, this week is going to be really important. Um, you know, we have to be locked in. We have to be focused. We play you know, potentially two unbelievable opponents in um, Illinois or Wisconsin and or Nebraska. And um, they, they all are, are really good, good teams. And Nebraska's had an unbelievable year. I, I think they're a team that's on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And, and they're certainly a quality opponent. We went to their place and, and lost a tough game there earlier this season. So, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to, to getting to Indianapolis and to watching so many uh, great basketball games and then for our team to be out there on, on the court um, representing that Block M again. Coach, you had a historic season last year, made the Sweet 16 for the first time ever. When you get this team together at the beginning of the year and during the course of the year, given everything that you had coming back, including Nas Hillman, who was the reigning Big Ten Player of the Year. How much did you talk about this time of year, about March, about not just the Big Ten Tournament, which we just discussed, but also the NCAA Tournament and taking a couple steps forward and making Michigan's first ever Final Four? Yeah, last March was really special for our program, for our university, um, for our women's basketball team to be able to accomplish the things that they did. And, you know, having a great core group returning, that core group of seniors, obviously net, led by Nas Hillman, um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player, phenomenal person. Um, but then her classmates, you know, Amy Dilk, Emily Kaiser, Danielle Rausch, and, and what they have meant to Michigan women's basketball and what they have meant to our program and and they have really you know we, we always talk about a the player-led programs are the best programs and they have taken our program and and just you know are continuing to let it fly and, and continuing to have it grow. And, you know, you add Leah Brown to that mix, and she's just a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. And, and, and Layla Felia's had a great season. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, coming off of that Sweet 16, I, I wasn't sure what this season would really look like. And I wasn't sure, you know, we had some amazing seniors graduate last year if we would be able to um, replicate that. But our seniors said, "No, coach, we we have more. We have more in us." Yeah, I mean, they they own it and they live it and they breathe it and they've been examples for the younger kids of perseverance and of overcoming adversity and of staying the course. And I'm just so proud to be their coach. I'm so fortunate um, to coach such a tremendous, tremendous group of young people. And I and I'm looking forward to March. Oh, we all are. And as you said, the league has just been tremendous this year. So many great players, so many great coaches. Congratulations to you. And we look forward to seeing what this next month or so holds for the Wolverines. Kim Barnes-Rico, Coach of the Year. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we have mentioned 
all of these kind of along the way, but here are all of the individual award winners today and the coaches and media agreeing on all of them. Congratulations, Kim Barnes-Arico, Caitlin Clark, Veronica Burton, Alexis Markowski, Cheyenne Sellers, all of whom earned all-conference mention, those players as well. Uh, remember, the women's tourney presented by TIAA starts tomorrow here on the Big Ten Network. Every game Wednesday through Saturday can be seen here and on the Fox Sports app. We tip things off with Penn State, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Illinois. Ohio State is the one seed. the riot podcast hello and welcome to fat tuesday mardi gras Shrove stuff tuesday pancake tuesday as we learn in the show that there's a lot of different terms for it there's so much like uh, i didn't know about the pancake stuff until uh-huh. you said that today really i've never, never seen heard pancakes. The pancakes i've only heard of the um the pancake stuff for like the pancake breakfast uh-huh but that's a ash winds or a lent thing right yeah i think i think that's it's leading up, right? I don't know. I don't even know that much. I just always associated pancakes with, with, that. with uh, this time of year. I feel like there's way more food-related uh, things to days and like rules and stuff yeah. that we just never just knew Just from of. other countries and other cultures we have no idea about. Mm. You know, you know what? Uh, the best one, I'm not going to spoil it, but the best term for today comes from Iceland, and you'll hear about it later in the podcast. <laughs> so enjoy that. Isaiah's with us, of course. Thank you guys for doing the show yesterday while I was not in. Oh, it was so great. We had fun. <laughs> it was such a great Monday. Was it a good bro show, <laughs> or did was. you guys branch out? What did we what even talk it? about yesterday? I don't even remember. Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, Typical, you know, pretty wide array of things. Which is also kind of what we, we talk about today, so it's not that different. Well, we do talk about the Morbius trailer, the final last, like, new one. Yep. And and then we also talk about uh, the Batman, so that's yeah. coming out. I think we have theaters having it start Wednesday night. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to definitely getting out and seeing that one in the theaters. It's just I'm going to need to, I think I might need to take a vacation day to go see it because it's so long. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need to take Isaiah with you. You guys both I know. Go. You need to do it for the show. You want me to watch it? Yes, I don't I do. really want to watch it. It what if it was for work? Would you watch it? Not watch it. I won't like watch got- it if you pay for it. <laughs> and the IC. We could go and next- the IC. <laughs> we could go next Tuesday. It would cost work ten dollars. Oh yeah, that's not bad. If you want to come, Nick, that's worth it. And some popcorn. Yeah, a little popcorn and icy in there. I mean, obviously, I'll bring in like my own Twizzlers and things. I'll oh, hide a couple snacks, sneak those in. Well, yeah. I always feel like for movies, if I'm not totally crazy about it, if I go see it in theater, I feel better about it. Yeah, because uh. it's more fun just yeah. going to the movies. That's why the theaters are so important. I'm things that stream more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if I go to the movie theater, then it feels like a special event, uh-huh. and so I'm more likely to like the movie, because yeah. I'm way more into it. The flip side of the coin is, if it's a movie that sucks in theaters, 
at home, if you're watching a movie and it sucks, you can just turn it off. In the theater, <laughs> it feels like you're throwing money straight into the garbage oh, with Hudson, all the popcorn. No, you go back out to the candy section, you get something else. You yeah. go back in the theater. You just find, keep buying food until the movie's yes, good. Yes, <laughs> you wander around, which reminds me, maybe save this for the show tomorrow. We need to talk about Isaiah sneaking candy in, because I heard him say that. Yeah. So. I mean, everybody sneaks candy in. Oh, so. You don't admit it. What do you mean you don't admit it? <laughs> not at the theater, but on the <laughs> podcast you do. <laughs> And they'll never to. know. <laughs> you should have heard what Nene roll. admitted to yesterday at lunch. What did he uh, admit? Uh, well, maybe it should have its own time or not be said. Mm, I'll just say it. He was uh, illegally streaming a movie. He was? He was. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. We would never. <laughs> Perish the thought. Perish the thought. <laughs> What's worse too is you're just you're taking all the candy that you and you're just going home and illegally streaming the movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Nothing but lies. All right. Well, let's let's hear some positive things about this podcast. Sure. Yeah, we talked about uh, animal dreaming mm-hmm. and how I didn't really understand the concept, or I, I guess I understood the concept. I didn't understand why we we went the dreaming route and not the thinking route. But uh, my dog Jim does not dream that I know of. But I've you never noticed. seen him. And yeah. happy birthday to Jim today. Oh, yeah. Today's yeah. Jim's birthday. Why? We're supposed to be talking about co- uh, happy stuff. Yeah. Positive today's stuff. Jim's birthday. Jim's birthday. So that's a big thing for him today. We're going to have a special day later on. We'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, we talked about everybody's dogs dreaming and what they're what they're dreaming about and how I'm I'm struggling with my with my dreams recently. Did, mm. did you know that Jim shares a birthday, apparently, with Justin Bieber? Aww. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Or actually, <laughs> Justin Bieber shares his birthday. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's a better way to put that. Yeah. Well, enjoy the podcast today. It is Fat Tuesday, so we're supposed to do an after show in a little bit. So when you're done with the podcast, please make sure you follow us at Radio U Riot on Facebook or our YouTube channel so you can catch our after shows and see what we came up with. Indeed. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Two is better than one. Unless we're talking about the riot. The riot. Radio U. Well, looky here. I don't want to be billed as the dinosaur conspiracy theorist guy. (laughs) But you are. But (laughs) when I see stories like this and I have to share them. It sure makes it more and more like that's what I'm going to be billed as. Well, last week there was news about this uh, new dinosaur yeah. that was like a T-Rex, but, you know, the T-Rex has like the smaller arms. Right. Uh, but this has like such small arms that it's almost no arms. Yeah. And they were just talking about that. And then Hudson just brought up, how do we know? Um, what do we know? Maybe there's no such thing. Yeah. Or All I'm saying is, hey. Maybe dinosaurs did exist as we imagine them. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe scientists are just making it all up. Maybe they're just finding bones, putting them together however they want to, and be like, wow, this one would look cool, wouldn't Looks it? Looks good. Let's, yeah. let's call it a T-Rex. How do we even know where they're finding these bones? They're, they're real bones. We don't need, I mean, I mean, there probably are, but do we know? I just think, here's what, what it all comes down to. I think there's a lot easier things to believe that people question, sure. and yet we don't question dinosaurs. Everybody's on the same page with dinosaurs. Well, except for me. Now we know that Hudson questions, uh-huh. and so that's just led this thing, and, this and now there's more news. Just more reason for me to question. A group of researchers is now proposing, you know, the Tyrannosaurus, the T-Rex, arguably the most famous of all dinosaurs. Now they're saying that uh, 
the Tyrannosaurus isn't a Tyrannosaurus. What is They're it? They're saying, when is a Tyrannosaurus not a Tyrannosaurus? It sucks. When it stops being right. a Tyrannosaurus. There's, <laughs> there's, now they're saying, as, instead of having, you know, we just think of the T-Rex. Yeah. That, the T-Rex is actually three different dinosaurs. They, uh, they've split it up now. T-Rex means Tyrant Lizard King. But uh, because of some fossils that they've found, uh, they are now splitting up the Tyrannosaurus distinction into T-Rex, T-Imperator, which means Tyrant Lizard, Lizard Emperor, mm-hmm. and T-Regina, which means Tyrant Lizard Queen. Mm. So there's three different... So... In other words, they're just making it all up. It does seem like they're adding more confusion. Yeah. I thought we settled because the, in the article it said like the Tyrannosaurus was first described uh-huh. in 1905. Yeah. And now 117 years later, they're all like, of a sudden a we're minute. like, hold on, <laughs> hold everything. We think we mixed something up Sure. Uh, in 1905. And the other thing this means is if you ask a child or a child tells you, uh, that my favorite animal, my favorite dinosaur was a, is a Tyrannosaurus. Oh, please don't be that way. You need to say no. which type of Tyrannosaurus. The <laughs> Rex, the Imperator, or the Regina. They are good, good at giving these things cool names. Well, why that. don't you instead say the Emperor, the Lizard Queen, or the uh, the, the main... Lizard King. Yeah, yeah the Lizard King. I like but that. Please don't be the grown-up that ruins that <laughs> for kids who just call it a what? T-Rex. It's teaching the kids need to learn it's how you need to learn about this made-up stuff i think (laughs) the problem is when we're ready to teach someone we have too much fun and meanness when we're teaching them uh to correct Uh, you know what the truth is the kid will the kid will have an answer for me and he'll tell me i'm pronouncing it wrong too (laughs) we would say rate and review the podcast but uh let's be honest that would probably hurt more than hell the worst of the riot podcast uh carol allison She's 74 years old. She grew up in the Philippines, but uh, she has since, she had a grandmother in Scotland. Uh, she came to visit Scotland when she was six years old. Her grandmother uh, helped her open a bank account. In Scotland? In Scotland, when uh, when this woman was six years old. So, so she's now 74. So what's that, 68 years later? Yeah. 68 years later, she stumbled across... That she still has this bank account. Oh, really? She forgot about it all this time. And there's money in it? She, there was. So when she uh, did the deposit back in 19-whatever, uh, when she was six years old, 68 years ago, it was $3.35. She just checked back in uh, with this bank. It's called TSB. It is uh, now appreciated to $335. Oh, I thought Listen you would have told that. me more. What do you mean? I know any money's good, especially if you weren't expecting it. Uh-huh. But I guess I, after so many years, I thought that would be a better that, a better. Her rate. money has appreciated 100 times. It's not enough. What it originally was. I know. <laughs> I just, if, I know you're, I just wanted you it to be more impressive. If $500, this would be like 500 no. $50,000? I don't know. You know I'm not good with numbers. I know. That's it's, why it's better we don't. But, we don't bring it up. It, uh, it would be, yeah, $50,000 if you had 500 So this is the dream right here. I know. So This is, it, is what they tell you to do. Is this what is this brought to you by Big Bank where they're yeah, trying to get us that's to open right. an account? This is financial freedom right here. Mm-hmm. You, the, the, This is how you're supposed to live. You put your money in the bank. You don't live for 60 years. 
you put yourself in a coma, then 60 years later, you have a little bit of money. Uh, you're right. It's it that does, easy. It does sound like financial freedom is so close. Yeah. <laughs> so all you have to do is not spend money for 60 years, right. and all of a sudden, you'll have money. <laughs> you're right. It sounds wonderful. It's a real lesson right here. Well, it's, it is exciting, but I'm surprised. One, the bank is still there. Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. That's shocking. And I would have assumed that if a bank account was inactive for like decades, yeah. that maybe they would, you uh, would think, right? pause the money. Either that, or I was thinking, like, you deposit $3.35 in a bank account now, mm-hmm. and you just leave it. They're taking that out for fees. You owe them money. I know. By the end of it. <laughs> By the end of a year. <laughs> Forget about after 60 years. They're saying that uh, she did this, I think it was 1969 with the grandmother, $3.35 when she was six years old. Mm-hmm. It was the Trustee Savings Bank, which has now been changed to TSB. It shortened it up. She said, uh, the woman said she was really pleased. And she thanked her grandmother under her breath. Oh, nice! When they told her that she had, uh, you know, earned all that money. So, are we supposed to lesson learned? Uh, save money, uh-huh. I guess. And are we supposed to be looking for bank books? <laughs> what are we looking <laughs> yeah, for? Yeah, search around. Search around your grandmother's uh, place. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you can, yeah, search around your parents' attic or something. Maybe they have some old uh, bank account information that you can use for your own purposes. There could be money somewhere. Yeah. Hudson sees the glass is half empty. But get this. He thinks a glass half empty is good. The Riot Radio U. Happy Fat Tuesday to you, or whatever you call it. Yeah. What I'm learning is there's other names for Fat Tuesday even that I didn't realize. There's other names. Like for here or in different countries? Uh, No, here, yeah, because a lot of people call it, and I like this one I was aware of, but I forgot about Shrove Tuesday. Is uh, and some people just call it Pancake Day. So what I have here is a uh, is a list of a bunch of different uh, Fat Tuesday pre Lenten treats. Because here's another thing: you you keep bringing up the Poonchkis. Yeah. And uh, before I came to radio, you if you said Poonchki to me, I'd be like, "What the heck are you uh, talking about? What's that?" Yeah. So I didn't I didn't really uh, register with me, but now reading more about it, of course, uh, different. Areas of the United States and different countries around the world have different traditions, different uh, food that they would eat before uh, for Fat Tuesday or even a little slightly earlier in the week uh, for this time of year. They all have their different uh, own traditions. They all seem heartier, though. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are very unique, too. So, obviously, uh, Poonchkis is what we've been talking about. That is That has Polish origins, so that's why it's a bigger thing in the Midwest, uh, where Poonchkis, and a lot of them are, are variations of this, is just a, a powdered... Uh, deep fried donut, and uh, for Poonchkis in this case, it is filled with uh, jelly. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one that's more probably well known is king cake, uh, and of course, that's a Louisiana type tradition. Then, so the one I grew up with is called Foshnox. Okay. Which, uh, and by the way, all of these are probably pronouncing wrong. <laughs> don't even, don't correct <laughs> don't, us. Don't, it's fine. We're we're just radio broadcasters. No, it's fine. Pushki should be fine. Yeah. That is, it doesn't look like it yeah. with how it's spelled. Well, but it's I think the Polish. Many traditional years Polish. of having to hear that over and over again yeah. around this time. So. Uh, Foshnox is a German, it's of German origin. It is very similar to a Pushki. It is, there's three types of Foshnox. One made with yeast, one made with baking powder, one made with potatoes and yeast. And uh, there are... Uh, I have never seen that before. You've never seen that? See, no. that's where I grew up. Uh, those are Pe- uh, Pennsylvania Dutch origins mm. uh, and German as well. So I grew up in Maryland, right near that area. Uh, in Sweden, 
They have something called semla, which is another, uh, it is a donut, a sweet bun laced with cardamom and filled with almond paste and cream. Uh, here's a good one. In Iceland, they celebrate what they call bursting day. Okay. They eat salted lamb. Oh, no thanks. And, Go uh, back to the donuts. But what, well, listen to this, though. You might like this. They call it bursting day because you eat to the point of bursting. Uh, all right. Well, that's fine. Yeah. So maybe you can have some salted uh, lamb and some donuts. Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't have to be Fat Tuesday for that. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, for Romanian traditions, they have what they call Cheese Fair Sunday. So obviously that would be this past Sunday. And they have something called papanasi, which is a cottage cheese dumpling. Oh, well, it no, looks it looks good. good. No, it looked good until I realized that's cottage cheese and not icing what, on it. You don't it. like cottage cheese? No. What? Hands raised. Who likes cheese? I mean, I don't just cheese? eat it plain, but cottage cheese, it has its uses. That's for sure. Pancakes are a tradition. Are- what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It lines the trash can. Nikki is a cottage cheese hater. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why would you think I'd like cottage cheese? Why would you? Who doesn't like cottage cheese? Again, let's have a quick hands raised. <laughs> who likes cottage cheese? You have to, if you go on keto or whatever, you have to learn to love cottage oh, cheese. Oh, no. Um, nope. let's, what else? Else is there? There's a good this... Greek yogurt will be all right. Oh boy! <laughs> See, I'll I'll say the no to the Greek yogurt. Uh, what is this? Bliny? That's the Russian uh, the Russian tradition. Which what is a? It's a Russian crepe. Uh, they're not just crepes though. They're topped with caviar, smoked salmon, sour cream, onions, or sugary toppings. All right. Okay. And then last but not least, we have something called. Nelinishki, and that's Ukrainian for Cheese Fair Sunday, and that is crepes rolled up with cottage cheese. Ooh, oh yeah, I could go for that. Especially, <laughs> I, we missed Cheese Fair Sunday. I wish, I wish I knew we could be celebrating Cheese Fair Sunday and Fat Tuesday. See, I never celebrated any of that growing up. Uh huh. It was only when I started in radio that yeah. people were like, "Oh yeah, you need to do something for Fat." Well, Tuesday. you got to eat something. You have to have something. Any today. excuse to eat something. This is The Riot. Radio U. Isaiah was just telling us that he doesn't have dreams anymore. Not that I don't have them anymore. I just haven't had a dream in a very long time. Are you worried? So that means you don't have, as far as we know, you don't have them anymore. I do. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I don't have them anymore. And so I was like, what the? What does that mean? Because I've also never seen Jim dream. So maybe it's like an us thing because he's never like moved your house. in his sleep. And I haven't had a dream in a very long what time. What if? Uh, what if you're in a house? It's haunted or something? It's a curse. <laughs> you have a curse no on dreams. your house. Now, yeah. Austin, I think maybe they're not sleeping enough. Like they don't mm. sleep long enough at night to. get get into the sleep cycle, but I googled it for you because we were talking about um, they're trying to analyze uh, when your pets or dogs or rats and stuff like dreams. Horses. Uh, So for this, they say that if you're actually getting sleep, you don't need to be concerned. Oh, okay. But But. if you are not getting enough quality sleep, Mm. that actually might be the problem. Uh It could be the sign of physical or a mental health problem uh, or your overall health that there might be an issue if you're not sleeping good enough to dream. See, I just don't think I'm sleeping long enough to dream. Which means you're not sleeping good enough. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's true. Because also I go through the thing of like, I've got Jim in the bed with me, letting him out like in the middle of the night and stuff. Mm. I make it, and I, on average, I would say I get like a little bit under six hours of sleep a night, probably like f- between five and a half and six hours, yeah. which isn't terrible. But at the same time, I'm not getting like any. I haven't got eight hours of sleep in like I don't, months. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you need to get Since eight hours of sleep. Since you dreamed though. last, yeah, probably. <laughs> 
Probably. <laughs> I thought eight hours was like the golden standard. That used to be like I wanted to get eight hours so bad, and now I just can't yeah. But do now it. you're an adult, and adults don't get that much. <laughs> you, don't ah. you don't get eight hours of sleep until you retire, especially mm. when you do a morning show. Yeah, you're not definitely. getting well. Like yeah, much. when you wake up so early, that's why I get like five, five or so hours of sleep a night. When was the last time? How much? How much sleep do you guys get tonight? Uh, no, about that same amount. About but I, I dream. Oh, but I you dream. dream? I dream. Do you, mm. Now, what about you guys? I have dreams, and I'll remember in the morning, or like, you know, I'll wake up, and I'll be like, oh, I was just having a dream. Yeah. But I don't remember whatsoever. Sure. Even, even if it's something, I'll, it's weird that you remember in the moment, oh, this was an interesting dream. I wish I could recall this later, and then later you can't. Does that happen to you? I can usually recall most of you it. You can? Yeah. Wow, you have a good memory in your sleep. <laughs> it's stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'd be a little concerned that if it doesn't, if you don't dream, let's put a marker on it. Let's say in two months you haven't had a dream. <laughs> in two months? <laughs> I miss dreaming. It's always the best when you wake up from a really good dream and you can remember sure. it, then you uh, run it back, you know? Oh, man. See, well, they, my dreams always seem to frustrate me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Then those are nightmares. You're just like not good enough in your dream? Or like, no, what's happening just, there? Uh, I'll tell you what used to happen a lot that, uh, I would fall asleep on the couch. This is like years ago. Not as much now. Now I don't. I, I. I'm telling you, I have dreams. I don't remember a lot about them at all. But I used to always. I'd fall asleep on the couch. I'd come home from work, fall asleep on the couch, and I'd have like ESPN on or something, mm-hmm. and it'd be like Skip Bayless or whoever arguing. And so I'd be having a dream where I'm hanging out with the people on ESPN, <laughs> and I could hear them on the TV. Yeah. And so they're talking and they're arguing about whatever, and all I wanted to do was. Torn in with my opinion. Oh, wow. Since it was a TV show, I never got a chance. I never got a chance. It wasn't a break for me to say what I thought about the Charlotte Hornets. Never got a chance. Oh, well, now I can see you being frustrated with that. I'm still frustrated (laughs) about it all these years later. So So that's why I stopped watching. If you want to get a better quality sleep, you know, avoid caffeine, especially a few hours before bedtime. Aerobic exercise. Go to bed at the same time. Get up at the same time. Mm. No screens in the bedroom. Do something relaxing and an hour before you go to bed. Or take a nap on the couch with ESPN on. <laughs> it's a good See, way to do it. Work. If you're looking for hot takes on the day's most important news stories, uh, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to The Riot on Radio U. You guys ever wonder, you ever watch your dogs or your cat, you, Nikki, you've got a cat, you ever wonder uh, what they're dreaming about? Oh, when they're doing the shaking, like... They Yeah, their legs are moving around yeah. and stuff like that. I always wake them up. <laughs> yeah, I actually... Uh, I'll save you. Yeah. <laughs> what if it's a nightmare and they, they're not waking up on their own? Well, I actually have some uh, information here that may makes you... May want... <laughs> can we cut and start over? <laughs> that may make you want to uh, think twice about waking them up. Oh, you're not supposed to? I have a bunch of experts' thoughts here on what different animals might uh, usually would be found dreaming about, which is a weird thing to say because if you ask, what do humans usually dream about? There's no usually, I mean, I guess there's a few typical dreams, like you're falling or what you wake up somewhere in your underwear, or not wake up, but you're somewhere important in your underwear, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, for animals, there's a few typical dreams they seem to have as well. For How do they find this out? Uh, brain, uh, by taking, uh, well, why don't we read along okay. and find out? <laughs> uh, so for, this is Kenneth Britton. He's a professor emeritus. Uh, of neurobiology, physiology, and behavior at UC Davis, he says, if you want, want to know about rats, yeah, rats typically dream of running through mazes. Uh, that they started uh, recording activity in the rats' hippocampus 
uh, that replays sequences observed as they ran the day through. This was done uh, at MIT. Yeah, but so that's I, only rats who they have. Like, that's yeah. not like free rats. Where they're used to running around in mazes. Sure. At least as far as we know. Yeah, weird. Uh, they also kept track of birds. Birds dream of singing. Oh, wow. So I guess it's starting okay, to sound like things cute. just <laughs> I don't believe a word of this. You don't believe this? I don't believe cute. it. Why not? Because if they can figure out what they're dreaming about, uh-huh. then can they figure out what they're thinking about? Or talk, yeah, say Yeah, so essentially, so. like, why, why are we doing studies about what they're dreaming, and why aren't we just asking them questions? Like, what? are you happy? They can't speak. Ask Jimmy, if they can figure out what they're thinking, how can they not figure out what they're like because thinking. you can monitor their brain. They can figure out what you're thinking about too. If they wanted Hudson, to, though, come they're on. Like, hey, look at this brainwave. That's up. Oh, the bird's singing. Well, you, you don't know what the brainwave is. Do, yes, you do. <laughs> they can figure he's out. A he's a professor emeritus. He's, run, he's hey. running around in a maze right now, but we can't figure out if he likes his food or not. Oddly enough, I'm sorry, Hudson. You were the one the other day who started questioning dinosaurs, oh, and yeah. you're coming in and be like, no, but this is totally believable. The birds are. They're singing in their sleep. Like that's what they're doing. Well, this is something happening now. You can see. You can. You you can put, we can do this for any one of us. You can put it on one of our dogs. You get a brain scanner thing. You hook it up, all the suction cups or whatnot, or a helmet. This I don't isn't know a how movie. It works. This isn't a movie. No, it's a Come real on. thing. It's well, a real tell thing. Me, tell me about dogs and cats. Right. Yeah, let's see what they're, they're uh, thinking about, I guess. So, this is Catherine A. Hout. She's a professor emeritus as well, behavior medicine, Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. I think she would know. I don't know. That's a lot of fluffy stuff there. Yeah, we're not so sure. Now, this one, uh, on the surface, is obvious. Dogs and cats seem to be running in their sleep. Well, yeah, you can tell because their legs are moving. But, uh, well, she even says that. Sometimes you can actually see that. But they also seem to have aggressive dreams uh, when they see muscle activity that's not usually present Mm -hmm. during... Uh, their sleep, it shows that they're acting aggressively in their dreams, as in chasing other animals, uh, hunting, or fighting. Interesting. So, and that's why they say uh, there's the old phrase. Uh, let sleeping dogs lie. That's because if they're acting aggressive in their dream, maybe they're chasing something, and then you wake them up suddenly, they might continue that action briefly because they're just, you know, they're still continuing uh, on what's going on the sure. dream. So watch out. If you see your dog running in its dream, just let it be. Well, it, might, it might hunt you. Cinnamon was doing that last night, and Cinnamon had chose to sleep next to my feet, and it was annoying <laughs> <laughs> to have just this kicking thing, so I did wake her up. Well, I can't and blame they, you for that. They say horses tend to run in their sleep as well, so basically they're just saying they're running in their sleep for most animals. It's it's interesting that uh, for humans, again, like our dreams usually uh, they're wild stuff. Like it's just crazy stuff that wouldn't normally happen in everyday life. A lot of the time, for animals, it sounds like it's just pretty mostly mundane. Although I guess maybe if you own a dog, uh, it's probably not typically hunting and fighting things. So I guess that's a, it's a little wild for it. Well, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, we think you believe it. And we, and what you guys, you so you don't think we're, there's no way to know what they're doing? Well, I just don't understand if there's a way to figure out what they're dreaming. How can we not figure out what they're thinking? That's all I'm wondering. You can't figure out what they're thinking. Then why don't we ask them? That's what I want to know. I want to study that's expensive. done. You got a bra- you got to get a brain well, scanner. Then why do we do the dream and not the thinking? I'd rather know what they're thinking. <laughs> all Isaiah's saying is he wants to be able to talk to his dog. I just want to be able to talk to Jim. I don't care about what he's dreaming. He wants to, he wants to I just want to understand doing. what the heck he's thinking. Well, we can tell. Collectively, what he's what a dog might be thinking generally most of the time. No, we need to understand. I can't figure it out, oddly (laughs) enough. If they keep talking long enough, they're bound to say something that you agree with. The riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U.
Uh, I love this story, this research out of uh, China, where, you know, we know that nostalgia is big business nowadays. Mm. Only 90 kids remember things and things of that nature, bringing back all the old TV shows. But it turns out that's not just all for fun and games. It actually may have a, a healing some kind of effect on you, believe it or not. Listen to this. Uh, so this is some research they did uh, at the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Uh, they had a group of people where they hooked them up to a machine that uh, it was a heat generator on their arm. Mm-hmm. So it would give them small amounts of pain. Uh, and then they separated you know, the, these people into two different groups. For one of the groups, they would show them pictures of what they call uh, an average childhood like popular cartoons from uh, from years ago, schoolyard games, uh, old style candy that they might have had growing up. Then for another group, for the other group, they would just show them uh, like current stuff. Yeah. Uh, and what they found was for the people that were shown the old school uh, images, it actually helped them uh, th- as they were hooked up to an fMRI machine. It measured their brain activity, and they were actually able to deal with the pain. It lessened the pain yeah. from that heat generator on their arm. They were looking at pictures from that reminded them of growing up really? versus looking at pictures from uh, modern times. Dude, I would love that. You're like, hey, you want to sign up for this study? Because normally that gets you some extra cash. Yeah, right. And then you find out, oh, we're just going to burn your arm. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Just I, mild, mild it's, burns. It's a placebo burn. We right. might not actually be burning you. I, I think that's really weird. And, but and kinda, don't worry. <laughs> we'll show you cartoons to yes, help with the burns. It's fine. It kind of makes sense because then you're personally more invested in what you're watching and is taking your mind off of it. Yeah, it, it, uh, it also says that just the idea of yearning for a simpler time, it says it when reduces... When you weren't being burned. Right, yeah. <laughs> when I was a child, oh. I don't remember being burned at all. Uh, it reduces your brain activity. Uh, the the nostalgia that comes rushing in yeah. reduces your brain activity, which in a may, it makes it sound like it makes you stupider, but uh, it also During makes you able to deal with pain more often. So I guess, now they, they're talking about this in terms of very light pain. Mm-hmm. You, like if you're if you need to get stitches or something, don't know if flipping on a cartoon you watched when you were a kid is going to help you all that much. But it can be a distraction, and they're yeah. just saying that it might be better unless the study people don't realize you had a very traumatic childhood. Yeah, that's and right. And you don't want to remember any of you it. you got to really pick and choose carefully Who's doing what, that? Those, uh, what those old nostalgia well, images you are, uh, you're going to go with. That's kind of interesting. So they say, like, especially if you have uh, maybe drug addiction in your past and you go to the doctor or you have a surgery or even for people who have, like, anxiety, you go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Someone else might be able to handle it, but you might have a more difficult time staying pain-free without the narcotics or stuff that's sure, provided. Sure. So it's a way to show that there are other alternatives to keep you feeling less pain while you're going through something. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, obviously there's it seems to be some good applications that can be mm-hmm. put towards and uh it also can be used as an excuse for when TV studios and uh, movie studios and they're like, we're bringing back friends because it'll make you feel good. Sure. It'll help you deal with the pain. Well, imagine if you, I would love it at the dentist. Like if they just put a screen right in front of your face yeah. you could, or just let you be on your phone. And you can watch Smurfs or something. Mm, or if you're waiting for the doctor. You? I didn't grow up with Smurfs. <laughs> I never watched them. They have know. no fond just memories. Just picking something old. But like if you wait in the doctor's office for the many hours, they let you sit there. Uh-huh. But then they also 
also have the no phone sign. Oh, you know, yeah. You, you could be distracting yourself. Yeah. The, you're, 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 it's just your way of coping. We've done you a favor by selecting the best of the worst and compiling it all in one place. Riot Podcast Radio U. Today's an important day. It is. It is Fat Tuesday, but it's also something else. It's, uh, well, Isaiah, why don't you share? It is Jim's birthday today. Jim the dog. So that's uh, Isaiah's dog. Is he one today? He is one today. It's his golden birthday. What are you going to do? We're probably near the dog park is the plan as of now. It's a pretty nice day out, so it'll be a good day for that. And then later on, we may have some of his uh, dog friends over if he behaves, but we're not sure yet. And then I have a little, I'm going to get some treats and stuff, probably a bone or something. And then he uh, has a new collar that's coming uh, via Amazon right now online. So, so it's you're a big not going to do him. a... You don't feed him uh, table food, though, so you're not going to no do, like, chance. a dinner? He doesn't get any... Like, he can't get any food food, no. You don't want to give him a fish sandwich or something? No. Because for... <laughs> he would just never... He's already bad enough. I've never given him human food, and he still begs as if I do every day. So yeah. if I ever let him taste it, then he'll just be relentless. Well, no, maybe Here's not. Maybe if you finally give him that, he'll leave you alone. That's not how that no, works. Uh, <laughs> what if... Uh, what if... Uh, maybe not today because this is his birthday, but uh, you find some kind of food that you know he would hate. Oh, and yeah. And you give him that, and then maybe he won't beg anymore. And yeah, that's, that's never a bad idea. That. That's so mean. It's his birthday. Give yeah, him something. Not know. today. Not Just today. I did. I did. Wait till tomorrow. I felt bad this morning when I was like putting him in his crate. I was like, happy birthday, Jim. Aww. And then I'm putting him in his crate and like, all right, I'll see you later. Well, Jim's like, I can't believe I have to be in my crate on my birthday. Home, and it's not so bad, but you should do, if anybody has, like, if you do something for your dog, if you text in it, 8772 radio you you could do like you could make him doggy cookies you could make him a doggy birthday cake see all this make things yeah. i you think buying buy it. it yeah that would be a better option i, I was kind of surprised nikki you didn't bring in like a doggy a something gift? for yeah for jim you know i you forgot got him something it. for christmas <laughs> i did i forgot well, christmas is different than your birthday you know everybody gets something for christmas listen i don't want all of our dogs to expect me to get them something for birthday <laughs> yeah. because then, then when it's my birthday i'm going to expect nikki to give me a gift yeah, as well that's a good point <laughs> only for animals yeah just for the dogs <laughs> but i made um doggy cookies one time and it's not too hard it's just like peanut butter and some, uh, I don't know, yeah, dry there's, goods. Oh, there's all kinds of YouTube videos on that. Yeah. I've never done it. Too much work. You got to make Jim something today. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll probably go to like the, the pet shop and then pick him up something special. Probably like a bone or something. That's what he that's what he really likes. So I'll get him one of those, and then he's going to hang out with all of his dog friends, which is Aww. what he really wants to do. And the best gift would be let him have one free pooper pee on the floor. No <laughs> chance. <laughs> Were you He'd yelling? love that, though. He would yeah. love that. You make him that little. Remember, you used to make your mom the cards of like one free hug. Oh, or yeah. yeah. One free I'll do the dishes. You give Jim a one free pooper pee card. I'm like, one free poop without getting spanked. Here you go. He's not in trouble. So if anybody has any other fun ideas for Jim, it's his birthday today. And if you're like, Jim, that is Isaiah's dog. And dogs have birthdays, too. Which explains why he's pooping and peeing in the house. (laughs) Actually, he's one year old. It doesn't explain it, but it's okay. it explains it. I know he's not supposed to anymore. Store at room temperature. Now that they can do. The Riot Radio U. Uh, the early reviews for Batman are out. The review embargo seemed to lift uh, to to have lifted yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so far, if you just want to go purely off of Rotten Tomatoes score, we're talking eighty six percent 
pretty good. I feel like that's pretty good, but I don't know. I thought it'd be like 100%. Because everybody's been really waiting for the Batman. And I feel like that's sometimes a superhero sort of movie that can get a higher score. Yeah. Compared to, like, uh, review-wise. Yeah. Because sometimes you get reviews from, you know, official reviewers. And they can be pretty harsh on stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. Where the average moviegoer just, we love it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a style of movie that, that this is made for critics and hopefully appeals to regular people as well mm-hmm. uh, whereas whereas some some movies are made more for one or the other uh, but the reviews for Batman do seem pretty good uh, uh, here's one let me point out the one that uh, has me very excited okay this is Uproxx's Mike Ryan here's his quote the Batman is a movie fully embracing its present and not looking forward to what everything might mean five movies down the line. Oh, you're happy about that? At just under three <laughs> hours in length, yes, it's long, but it's self-contained and also rare for a Batman movie. Batman is actually the main character. Oh. Ooh. Wow. What do we think, Isaiah? Are we excited? I'm not much of a Batman fan, I yeah, would say. Yeah, you wouldn't be. So for me, <laughs> but you would. <laughs> not so much uh, excitement for me. Not well, even hearing that? But you were so excited no. about the Morbius thing? Yeah, right. I, wasn't exci- <laughs> I, I wasn't saying I was that excited about the Morbius thing, but you said you would see Morbius I would be more likely to see Morbius than I would Batman 100%. Really? Yeah. You, you're not just saying that to be controversial? No, I don't really like Batman, if I'm being honest. Okay, well. Yeah, but have you seen the trailer? I don't even like this yes. stuff, but you still like Batman. I've, have you there's seen like the one, reviews? There's literally one Batman movie that I liked, which was Batman vs. Superman, and yet again, he was not <laughs> the main character. Oh, man. I'll have to find the review. Someone, they calculated how long Batman's in the rain in this movie. Oh, yeah. And they said he's always in the rain. And he's <laughs> two very, and a half of the well, two hours and 45 minutes. It's a long movie. It's very sad and very you know, emotional. Yeah, the, so before anybody goes and sees it, uh, one of the main things that's coming across here is that, yes, it's a superhero movie, but if you're thinking it's going to be like Spider-Man or Iron Man or something like that, it's definitely not the fun type it's a lot more in fact or you know just that typical style it is very much uh film noir detective hard-boiled detective type thing yeah so uh it's not gonna have not gonna have the comic bookiness to it that we are more expecting with the marvel movies you know maybe more think joker style if you watched Joker sure. back a couple of years ago, which I really liked. so well, It's hard because when you look at reviews, at least on one of the main sites, we the one side's like, oh, it's moody, it's too much, we don't like it. And then the other side's like, this is the best ever. Yeah. So it's that type of movie, you just got to go and see if you like it. Yeah. It's, uh, Unless you're Isaiah. Yeah. Hey, I'll still see it at some uh, point. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly down the line. After you see Morbius. <laughs> yeah. You got to have your priorities in line. This just shows that we need to appreciate everybody's movie styles. Uh-huh. We're all different and we all want to see certain things and then there's me who just doesn't want to see anything at all. So. There you go. <laughs> but even you sound like you might see the Batman. No, I would. If it was streaming, I would totally well, totally hey, watch it. It's going to be on HBO Max one day. Yeah, but I think I'm going to cancel HBO no, Max. No, you have to no, keep it at least until the Batman comes it. out. No. Nope, I'm just going to move into your login. So there you I sh- I'll share it with you. You know, Dune's coming back on to HBO Max soon. I also didn't see that. I know, that's why I'll share it with you. I will Even if the, you cancel. I will see the Batman first. Why pay for so many streaming services that you don't really care about? When you cannot really care about the riot for free. Radio U. Congratulations to Zach, who got today's Wordle and six guesses. <laughs> 
<laughs> text it in. You guys are still cute. You send in a lot of Wordles each day. Have you gotten your? Uh, have you gotten in on Wordle yet? Have you even tried it, Nikki? No, I never got in. I uh, should have gotten in before it got sold. Yeah. Because then, if you come in later, it feels like you were just jumping in yeah, on it. Yeah, you're just a Johnny come lately. And uh, it feels like a lot of people are so mad when it's harder now, or it's just they blame it on the sale of it. Yeah, a lot so, of people. Uh, I think it's just. You know, it gives you something to complain about, something to talk about, and it'll be, uh, I don't know, I d- you don't see a lot of people like me, like I'll say on the air, but uh, there's not a lot of people on Twitter going, I don't see what the big deal is, Wordle's not so hard. Now that's what Hudson says every morning. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't feel like it's gotten any harder. I don't think it's gotten any harder. Uh, my streak remains unbroken. Mm. Uh, I, I missed a few days where I just did, forgot to do it, but I've never missed one. Sure. Uh, but... It turns out, uh, and and I'd like to point out, never cheated. Uh, it's all on the up and up, but uh, that doesn't mean that other people aren't out there cheating. Uh, I have some data here from a website called Word Finder X, which uh, I don't know if that was if that was created just to help people cheat at Wordle or what it is, but uh, they say the cheating on Wordle has gone up 195%. That's a lot. 196%. Since the New York Times bought it. Yeah, which was uh, which was back in January. People have been, uh, I mean, obviously the game's popularity continues to seem to grow, but uh, with the popularity growing and with people thinking that the words are more difficult recently, it has also led people to uh, also want to keep their streak unbroken. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have the mental acuity to be able to solve the puzzle on their own. They need Google's help. So the time that most people are most likely to cheat on Wordle, uh-huh. 7 to 8 a.m. Because mm, they want to get in early, they right? They want to get in early. Yeah. So you cheat early, and I guess you're cheating often. And apparently, I don't know what you can attribute this to, mm-hmm. but the state that cheats the most at Wordle... New Hampshire. Really? Yeah. What do you think that's about? I don't know. I never understand sometimes when you you learn about something, you're like, why? I wonder why. Yeah, maybe maybe New Hampshire, the people there, they just, uh, they know the, in uh, neighboring states, Massachusetts and Connecticut, you know, they think they're better than us in New Hampshire, but (laughs) New Hampshire, New Hampshire, and we're going to, and we're going to prove them wrong. We're going to beat them, get the wordle right before they do. That'll show them. Listen to the other states who are most likely to cheat. It really is all that same stuff. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont, Uh Washington, D.C., Massachusetts, and Maine. I wonder what that, what, what that is, is just a competition between all the states, so they're all trying to cheat uh, to, to outdo each other? Maybe. Or is it something about being on the East Coast where, you know, because Wordle resets at midnight? I don't, I'm like, what could it be? I don't know. Maybe those are the only ones playing. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. So that they have a be. greater chance of cheating. Well, uh, if you, I guess if you're cheating at Wordle, you're not alone, but you shouldn't. Come on. If you have to cheat to figure it out, hey, let what's them cheat the fun? If they want to. What's the fun? It's not hurting them. It's not hurting anybody else. Wordle's, if they want to keep playing, they can do that. Yeah, but what if it's making your friends feel bad? Uh, it's not. I think deep down, does anybody really care? Unless you're from. Uh, yeah, have you wait, seen. What was it? Unless New Hampshire. you were from New Hampshire. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that TikTok where the guys, uh, you know, hey, son, have you seen Kim? Kim got the wordle in three guesses. Hey, 
Hey, Bob, across the street, did you see? Kim got the wordle in three guesses. I haven't just seen telling that. everybody. <laughs> and it is true. I don't know why we're all posting our score. I, I, I don't. I just talk about it on a nationally broadcast radio show. Everybody likes to talk I about it. That I haven't lost my streak, but I'm not posting my score every day. Come on. And remember, if you're going to cheat, uh, between 7 to 8 a.m. is cheating time. Yeah, that's the cheating hour. <laughs> The riot promise is that they'll always have an opinion on everything they talk about. But that doesn't mean any of their opinions will make sense. This is The Riot on Radio U. Of course, we've been keeping our eyes on the uh, the problems in Ukraine. It is just, it's, uh, it, it was weird to see, uh, you know, there's all the horrible war news. And mm-hmm. then there's all like the inspirational or kind of, even with the war, there's like the goofy stories, mm-hmm. especially about the president of Ukraine. Did you know he's uh, the voice of the, uh, in the Ukrainian version of Paddington Bear? No, really? He voiced Paddington Bear. I knew he was an actor, but. Yeah, he was on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. He was Paddington Bear. It's the same movie. Sure. It's just he did the voice for Paddington you know, in the Ukrainian language. Yeah, no, I, I saw some of that and I spent time uh, the last few days. They call it War Talk. Yeah. So it's TikTok, but it's the the war videos. Uh-huh. And oh, I don't want to watch that. Well, no, it's so weird. Like the one side is, is like you said, it's the the glamorization of that side. And yeah. then there's the, the heroism. Yeah. And then there's the others. And it's, it's very weird to uh, absorb all that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, there's only one side. It's a horrible thing, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, uh, it's weird how they're still. We're still able, uh, as news and as people, to find the good uh, and the fun stuff, even about war, in a way. Uh, but I don't know if anybody else has uh, either caught themselves doing this or had somebody say this to you. It's like, how dare, how dare you complain? How dare you think your problems right now mm. are are anything with what people in Ukraine are doing? I th- I've thought that to myself several times in the last week. I've been like, what well, can you really complain? And uh, the truth is, like, it's it's very valuable perspective. To see how big problems and and to be clear, there's problems going like if you're ever measuring up your problems against the rest of the world, you're probably never at that point. You're never going to be able to complain. Uh, And while I don't necessarily recommend going out and complaining all the time to other people, that doesn't mean that your problems aren't real. Mm -hmm. Just because somebody else also has a problem that's bigger doesn't mean that your problem is important. But here's what's crazy about God. Uh, One of the things that makes God God is that he is able to simultaneously care and do stuff about, worry about, concern himself with what's going on in Ukraine and all the issues there, but also care about whatever your thing is, even if it's pretty small, even if it's just your feelings or whatever. And, and you know, that's not small to God. Jesus cares about every problem going on in the world at the very moment, including problems going on specifically in your world that, uh, that if you told somebody else, they might be like, ah, what's the big deal? How can you complain with this going on or this going on? Or how can you even complain? That's not even that big of a deal. God's not going to say that. Jesus is going to say, yes, it matters, and I care about it. I care about what's going on across the ocean. I care about what's going on with you. I'm going to help you with it. Jesus is ready to do that for you. And all you need to do is ask, say, hey, God, uh, I've got problems. Uh, they might not seem to big to everybody else. In the scheme of things, they might not be huge, but I know you care, and I want help with them. Because they're big to me. God's going to help you. If you want to know more, check out RadioU.com slash free gift. Hudson, Nikki, The Riot on Radio U. You may now on TikTok find us 
uh, uploading videos up to 10 minutes long. That was the big announcement yesterday. I shrieked when I saw that yesterday. I was so excited. I was just so excited. And you're like, why? Because I know personally when you watch TikTok, it changes it to like a potential long form at 10 minutes. Like that's not short anymore. Um, So it becomes like a long form video experience, which not everybody's crazy about. Mm -hmm. Like if you just scroll through the For You page, you don't want to see 10 minute options. Yeah, That's not fun. But in the world of Radio U official, <laughs> let me just uh, take you over to our TikTok page. Yeah, uh, We do some clips from our show, and they're like short versions of our clips. Uh-huh. And to edit those to the three minutes it was, yeah. was a pain, and I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that, that's the problem. <laughs> we usually talk for just over three minutes, yeah. which means that we would have to cut them down. And I don't know if, if you ever upload videos to TikTok, it doesn't really have the greatest uh, video editing capabilities. And I, I mean, I wouldn't even begin to know where to do video editing myself mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't on TikTok. So, uh, yeah, from Radio U's perspective, uh, that now we can upload videos that are more than three minutes long. That, uh, it, like, when I think about it myself, I, I like listening to our show. But at the same time, I think if, there, if somebody else is uploading on TikTok a three-minute video... <laughs> The, uh, you know, a f- over three minute video, sure. the odds are stacked against them uh-huh. that I will make it through the three minutes. I know, but we hope you with ours yeah. <laughs> will make the exception. At least it's an option. Yeah. It's oh, an option so on excited. there. It won't be most of the videos, but but to see people, uh, to, the idea that we're going to get 10 minute videos just coming up on the For You page. That's not exciting. Well, you know, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But for I ours mean, at Radio U Official, I'm just so glad we don't have to edit those down like we had to. Yeah, and there's no uh, there's no rule against just swiping up when you see a video that True. where the little bar at the bottom is actually not even moving because the video is <laughs> so long. I mean, it is nice for some. It depends on what side of TikTok you land on. Yeah. Because for some, man, they, they don't need to go any further. It could be a really short, quick one. Yeah. And for others, they really try to pack too much. Much in uh-huh. to what was the three minutes. So it does not say, like, if you go and will I upload a riot short today at Radio U Official and will it be already 10 minutes? Yeah, I haven't done it yet, so I, I don't wondering. know. But we'll see. They say they're rolling it out. But it is interesting, too, when uh, everyone else is zigging, the TikTok is zagging. Mm-hmm. All the other social media sites now have been trying to copy TikTok, uh, what TikTok has been. And making shorter and short, you know, like Instagram reels and stuff, making short video content. And TikTok's like, we'd like to do the opposite now. (laughs) So I don't know if that'll work for them, but you know what? It doesn't seem like uh, anybody's going to stop using TikTok anytime soon, whether they have to skip through 10 minute videos or not. You know, it is uh, also. They have the fast forward options. So. I know, but it would be funny for like, hey, hang on, I just got a TikTok I got to watch real quick, and they're like, oh, it'll just be a few, you know, you a think few, fifteen right? seconds, and they're like, oh yeah, I'll see you in ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's enough of that. For more Riot content, head to riot.radiou.com. Okay, so welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Accountability Partners. Um, you can introduce yourself first, actually. Hi, guys. My name is Marcella. Um, I am a psychotherapist, and I'm currently a life coach as well. 
Um, some other little things about me is I'm currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And yeah, I am big on mental health, big advocate for mental health awareness and ready to talk and listen. So now to you, Ish. Cool, cool. <laughs> so you did a good job because I never know what to say to when I introduce myself. But it's Ish. A <laughs> um, couple things about me. I'm black. I'm a photographer. I just moved back home to Baltimore, Maryland, um, which is something we definitely got to experience explore and more episodes because the whole idea of moving back home is like weird but it's dope at the same time but um yeah I'm a photographer social media manager uh just a creative and I'm very interested in mental health started going to therapy in 2018 um I got lucky because one of my friends at work was completing his master's in therapy and we used to just have like little mini sessions and I like learned a lot of stuff about myself but then it started informing like how I even understood the people which is kind of my favorite part of therapy in a way because I already figured out myself but I guess therapy helped me figure out why I am the way I am (laughs) a lot of times but (laughs) um talking to him and understanding other people I can kind of learn more about myself in the way I notice how other people act and react and interact to things. So this podcast is going to be great because one, we've known each other for, when did you get to Wright State? 2014. Yes. Almost 10 years. Almost. Ah, almost that's 10 years. crazy. <laughs> right. We both knew each other through crazy times in our life. <laughs> very, very, very. <laughs> A lot of crazy times. Um, <laughs> But the show, honestly, is there's not enough. I don't feel like there's enough conversation between black men and women mm-hmm. on podcasts or just in life in general. I feel like everything's so combative between us that we don't ever really have talks about the stuff we're going through in order to, like, fix the way that we, like, view each other as people. Because, like, our experiences as black men and women are very the same but very different as well exactly and the main reason why it's different too is because how men and women react (laughs) yeah but and also um a big thing i think about this podcast too is mental health is really on the uprise right now so Mm -hmm. i feel like us addressing this is pretty good and big for people because People need it, honestly, and yeah. just having a space where they can just listen and maybe you can help them um, or even they can get therapy if they wish to. Just hearing another person perspective, a man getting therapy and a woman that is a therapist, um, mm-hmm. maybe it changed their mind about therapy and mental health overall. Yeah, that's true, because it's very I'm an advocate for therapy and just anything that enhances your mental health because it's like you should spend the most time with yourself and a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't and with social media people don't realize that social media even though it allows you to be social and speak to people it allows you to do that but a lot of times the time you're spending with yourself you're not really understanding that that's what you're doing so when you see something and it makes you jealous when you see something and it inspires you you're not understanding that it's a conversation going on in your head Instead of just feeling like, oh, what I saw made me feel away. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it should be free, especially for Black people. But that's definitely so in itself. (laughs) 
Like, I ain't, well, I ain't going to say it should be free because I need you to make your money. But Yes, I'm going to say that's time, a whole other discussion. Maybe the I mean, government somehow you know, can... Charge white people. <laughs> they have enough that's... problems <laughs> and no, enough money. I... So hopefully the government want to bless us, you know, these mental health professionals and pay us and so we can give our yeah. free services. That would be amazing. So if anybody, you know, listening that's a politician or anything advocate for us please and thank you <laughs> no nah, for sure but we can kind of jump into the episode and kind of how it'll be structured um each week um so of course we want to start with a wellness check so um how are you you can know ladies first <laughs> <laughs> you know i am doing good um if i should say myself i'm really trying i would say over oops, well overall my highlight my biggest highlight I would take would be just me just acknowledging um, like where I'm at right now. So a lot of times, like even what you said, we tend to just see social media and see things and we just kind of like wish to hurry up and grow up or hurry up and be wealthy or hurry up mm-hmm. and just, you know, be this person. So my biggest highlight is just really me and myself where I'm at. Um, I was like meditating this week and I was just like, I had like a, a light bulb that just popped in my head. It was like, wow, look how far you are at this age and also all the things that you're doing for yourself. So I think that's like something, honestly, that was really positive and good for me. Um, Now my low light, the area that I really, really, really wish that I acted differently or reacted differently will probably be continuing to um, kind of beat myself up. So like I am a person that stick to routines I try to stick to routines so me just like going away from a routine I it it messes me up a little bit so I had to really like kind of get myself together and like it's okay like you can try again um and so me just kind of having that moment and just having like okay I'm thinking the whole world about to end and the whole day about to go down and it's honestly it's not that's how I am too (laughs) I used to have this thing, like, I used to hate when it rained because I felt like every bad day that I remember, it was it always rained. raining. Yep. <laughs> so I feel like every time it rained, like, fuck, today about to be shitty. But I'm like, damn, it's 7 a.m. Like, nigga, give you a chance a day to even start before you even think that. But, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yes. So how about you? How are you? Um, I'm good. Yesterday was a very, very long day. Um. So I have two jobs. I work every day, but I'm also an entrepreneur with a production company, photography, mobile photography studio, because I don't have a set location right now since I just moved. But (laughs) um, yesterday was a very long day. Um, I guess for the highlight, this week, Baltimore has hosted the 2020 CIAA basketball tournament. For those who don't know, it's it's one of the HBCU um, basketball tournaments that happens uh, throughout the year, it's actually it's three. It's the CIAA, the MEAC, the MEAC, and then the SWAC, which are the schools down south. Um, Baltimore is hosting it for the first year, and I actually had the opportunity to get a media pass um, to be able to go shoot the basketball games down at the Royal Farms Arena, and that was dope because living in Ohio is not a lot of opportunities like that. Um, even like at the school we went to, it's hard to even get a response from that. Um, and I literally got that. I reached out to 
because of moving here, I worked for a job at the state. So I reached out to a department in the state that I felt like kind of aligned with what would be going on, or at least have some information on it. I reached out to them and just introduced myself, sent over my portfolio. They liked my work. Then they sent my stuff to um, an organization in the city of Baltimore that was sponsoring some events. They liked my work. And then the lady from there actually sent it to the organizer of CIAA. And he just granted me media credentials. And it was even more crazy <laughs> because this all happened last week. So that was what the week of the 18th or something like that. Friday was the 18th or something like that. Mm-hmm. The media credentials had just ended on that Monday. And just because like I was actually supposed to be in Ohio this past weekend. So I wasn't going to go, but I ended up not going to Ohio. But then I realized like, oh, CIAA is here. I should try to get your credentials. And just because, like, everything was happening so fast, my mind was moving so fast, I didn't think to actually look on the CIAA website to figure it out. I was just trying to finesse my way through the state because, like, I worked there. I might as well. So that ended up working. So it was great. Um, And I was really happy to see a lot of Black photographers. Like, I could probably count on both hands how many, like, white media members I saw. But it was just dope to see, like, just how Black it was. I ain't going to lie, though. I don't know if I ever want to, well, not ever, but I don't know if I need to hear within like the next month, wipe me down. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't need to hear the Beyonce version of Before I Let You Go Again. Um, I don't need to hear Nuck If You Buck Again. <laughs> like when I tell you hearing them songs all day long because they treated each game like a new game. So during each break, they played the same songs. I'm about to lose my mind if I hear it before yeah. I let go one more time. So, but that was dope. That was definitely my highlight of the week. My low light <laughs> of the week was definitely at work, just doubting myself um, in my position. So working in social media, I thought it was really just posting on social media. <laughs> and to an extent, that's what majority of it is, but it's a lot of strategy behind it. But even behind the strategy, something I didn't realize was important was the policy for each like organization you work with. So part of what I do in my job lately has been looking at the complete organization of the structure of everything we do day to day from not only in my role, but the actual whole organization. So I've been doing social media audits. I've been I redid our training and then I had to freaking host a training um, for somebody who's opening a new social media account. And. I was just super negative about it. I kept feeling like I was going to do bad and I didn't know why I felt like I was going to do bad so bad, but I kind of think I only felt like I was going to do such a bad job because you know how it works. Sometimes you know what to do, but then there are things that they ask you to do to test <laughs> if you understand what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those situations. And then, like, the big piece of advice I got from the first two, like, trial ones of the training that we did was to not read off the slides because they have the slides beforehand. They have the social media policy beforehand. So you really just need to give your expertise on what's behind each slide. So now I'm thinking, like, do I even know what I'm talking about? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But thankfully, it went well. Um, The training went well. All three of the trainings I've done have went well, so I don't know why I expected them to go bad. But this was, like, the first one I was going to be doing by myself without my supervisor there. Like, no hand-holding, I guess you could say. And 
it went well. And she even mentioned to my boss that it went well and that she was looking forward to like starting the process and working together. So hmm. I don't know why I was so worried about it, but just overthinking. It's that imposter syndrome. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way we're going to touch on that definitely one episode too, but the way I even got the yeah. job was crazy. And then like now realizing the importance of it because when I'm doing the role to not get so overwhelmed, I just keep telling myself like, it's just social media. Like, I'm on social media like 40% of the day. Like the job mm-hmm. shouldn't be that hard. But now that they're like pushing my skills and abilities in ways that haven't been happening before, I'm a little bit like, damn, like, Don't doubt yourself. Well, I know what I'm doing. And right. then when I do realize I know what I'm doing, I'll be like, damn, I know what I'm doing. So yeah, it's been, just been that's, interesting. That's a story um, in my life because when I be saying some stuff up in my head, I'm like, I can't believe I said that. And then right, I'm like, yeah. like, wow. I'm like, yeah, I'm lying myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially like, it was different than other jobs I worked in social media because I was part of a team. But now I like am the social media team, like all by myself. So when I'm having those, constant conversations with people it's easier to like say things because I under I know that they're gonna understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. But when you put in situations where you're the expert and you're trying to help people, it doesn't feel like you know what you're talking about just because you don't know how much they're gonna understand. So it's like I understand it up to this level, but I gotta like bring you through bring you from all my experience to up to where I'm at and understanding in an hour. (laughs) <laughs> like how am I gonna do that? So yeah, it was it was rough. But I made it through and I made it through, made it through the weekend, and it's gonna be right back to work tomorrow. But you know it's fine. It's fine. It's you know, we got now we setting the tone for our thirties. So it's okay if we work a lot now because we're gonna be sitting on our wealth later. Man. 30. Oh, I can't wait to turn 30. Can you? Oof. That episode is going to be fun when I turn 30. Because, <laughs> man, I'm trying uh, to really Of course, celebrate. if y'all didn't know, we are both Geminis. So, oh, yeah. so that's already that interesting in itself. Yes. We should have somebody like who is like into astrology come in on an episode one day. Yeah. So we could talk through like mental health and astrology and where it intersects because yeah. I kept seeing people like making a joke like oh all the spiritual people trying to look at their rocks and figure out about this war <laughs> and <laughs> it was funny but I did see some people talking about like oh Mercury did just finish retrograde now war starting y'all think that's a coincidence like nigga relax <laughs> but we'll get to it so what what did you do as far as self-care routine this week so, um, for my self-care, well, this week I did, like, a, a reward for myself. I rewarded myself because um, if y'all got, I didn't say this in the beginning when I was introducing myself. I am officially now a published author. So, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Congrats, congrats. Uh, thank you. But, so, like, I reached my goal that I aim for myself um, of how many books I want to sell. So that was really big for me. So I kind of went and did a little celebration, really not doing a little celebration, but I rewarded myself by getting outside um, because I work from home a lot. I only go into office probably like once or twice a week. And that's a big maybe. 
So it's like being in a house a lot, you need to like go outside, reward yourself with not the sun. <laughs> like you need to change your environment. Being at home is not really healthy for you all the time. So get up, get outside. And even if it's a walk or something. So I got up and I went outside and rewarded myself. And that was really healthy. And I had a good time. So that's my. Reward. So like you got outside in nature or you got like outside in the streets. <laughs> okay so i'm just trying to make it look a real chill calm collective but i did go outside in the streets um that's needless yeah because that is a reward y'all it's okay to go out and drink and stuff like that once you get your work done okay but don't get your priorities together first yeah <laughs> true i think my only well not my only my main self-care this week I was determined to get my hair done <laughs> this week. Like I needed <laughs> to, like I couldn't do it. So I just recently started locking my hair in December. And the thing I didn't know is like, you got to give your hair time to lock. So like mm-hmm. when I still had braids, I was, man, shout out to Casey. That's the one thing I missed the most about Ohio is Casey. Because when I tell <laughs> you I was, Casey was in Dayton, moved to Columbus. I was still driving an hour for Casey to do my hair. Like, because, <laughs> like, you can't beat it. It's all one location. Like, she'll wash my hair, braid my hair, give me a haircut, line up, everything, like, all at once. It's, like, it's no reason to go to multiple people. So, like, man, I miss that. But here, one, have a lot. You have to give yourself, like, time for it to lock. So I couldn't get my hair done after I got it locked for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, six weeks? <laughs> like... That's such a long time. And it's like, <laughs> and I was thinking like, oh, maybe it's, you know, it saved money. But like lock maintenance is like a little bit more expensive than getting your braids done. So it kind of still balances out. But it's just still like, I need, like, I need a haircut. Like, I need a lineup. I need my hair retwisted, done some type of way. But now, you know, I done finessed my little sister do hair. And now I can trust that she can do my locks. So now she's going to be my new loctician. My uncle gave me a lineup, so now he's about to be my new barber. And between them two, I'm going to get it done. But it's still not the same as just going to Casey. But, like, I need to just figure out ways to stay, like, just rejuvenated and fresh with the locks. Until they, like, actually lock. Like, yeah. They say, like, the first year is the hardest. And it's hard. <laughs> it's like, I've only got my hair done since December. I've got my hair done twice. Like... That's not me at all. Like, I was always at Casey's fucking shop. <laughs> like, And that's why I'm so scared to start my lock journey. But I finally booked my appointment. So it's coming. Yeah. And, whew, you know, we're going to go through this journey, hopefully together. Because <laughs> the struggle right. is going to be real. But it's okay because I'm going to throw my wig on. So, See, and that's <laughs> the thing. It's a, I'm not going to say it's easier because the wig stuff is hard. Well, some people make the wig stuff look you know, I ain't going to go there, but <laughs> the wig stuff is hard because, well, it's, it's a crutch that y'all have that I don't have because mm-hmm. I can't do nothing. Like, I can't even put on a hat because that's going to mess my hair up, too. So it's just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? I got lucky that my job is still remote, even though we do actually be on camera sometimes. But I can take the couple times a week with the camera on needing a haircut. But if we was actually in the office, I wouldn't know what I'd be doing. I'd be losing my mind. Like, yeah, it would be no way. But. I'm just trying to figure out the same thing I do with my braids, I guess. Just figure out styles and ways to just make it last a little bit. Yeah. And then 
knowing my uncle could cut my hair, I'm about to really just be at that nigga house every two weeks, like, on the porch, like, can you cut my hair? Because I at least need that, at the very least. So, like, y'all y'all got that. Y'all got the wigs y'all can throw on. And then for, like, women, y'all don't have to worry about, like, facial hair and stuff. So, it might <laughs> yeah. not be as hard. Well, some people do got to worry about that, so. Oh, yeah, not for some all these women. Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to y'all. Shout out to y'all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because y'all must be looking way more expensive than mine. Who child? Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like, I'm always shocked by how much women spend on their hair and makeup and stuff. <sighs> like, but it makes a difference because, like I said, some of them wigs. <laughs> that's exactly are not why. fooling anybody, okay? That's exactly why men need to have a little bit more respect for these women that's out here doing it you know by themselves keeping themselves up and all this stuff because we struggling we paying a lot of money you know because see but the but but y'all have created a situation for yourselves to where <laughs> we can tell when it's not done right like because a lot of women leave with their looks like that's like a big part of their personality mm-hmm. is making sure like the hair done the makeup done and stuff. So like for them, for like the girl who's always like that, when she have her slip up day, you know it's cool. Like, you know, your stylist might have caught COVID and you was out for a week. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But it'd be the ones who put on wigs like they hats. Like I never thought in my life that I would be able to identify lace on a girl's hair. <laughs> but some people you, I've you, seen, and the main reason I know. Is because social men media see, for one. Social media, yes, that's true. But two, <laughs> we see them holes in the lace. <laughs> men do see the holes in the lace on the crown of y'all heads. Y'all have to remember, a lot of men are, majority of men are taller than women. <laughs> we see that hole in the back of the lace that you try to cover up with some dye or whatever y'all be using. We see that. Oh, my goodness. You see and it. we can see when it ain't. The foundation you use on the lace ain't the right foundation. <laughs> like your scalp is like is like a in between like a pinkish brownish color. It ain't orange. So I'm on my business anyway. <laughs> yes, because I have a lot to say, but that's a whole nother discussion. We ain't right, about that to go into that. That definitely could be one. There is a Netflix, uh, I think it was on Netflix, but I seen something Dana posted recently. Um, it's a some type of special about like black women and like the entertainment industry i need to find it but we definitely gonna have to watch that once i figure out what it is yeah but so we're gonna move on to i kind of like the name now that yeah. i didn't like the name before i like it now but we're gonna move on to our brain food segment so this is where we discuss whatever things we've been taking in throughout the week good or bad and for the first episode i thought it would be great to talk about first impressions and this was kind of prompted off of a amanda seals real or tiktok whatever it was um i'm gonna play it for y'all to hear because i think we can do that the words we use are very important in how we describe situations and our feelings about people so like you may have an interaction with someone and the interaction didn't go the way that you wanted it to and now when you go to the next person and they say oh did you meet so-and-so if you say something like yeah and i don't like them 
you have now perpetuated a concept that isn't actually indicative of the exchange you really had. You don't know them to say whether you like or not like them. You didn't like y'all exchange, but you don't know them. You know, so you don't know whether you fuck with them or not fuck with them, etc. But because of this like real generic language use, you have now set forth a, a conversation on somebody that is really not fair. These are the things we do that may seem little or minor, but they contribute to the chaos. Your words have power. <laughs> we're, just, we're going to open the discussion about it. So essentially what she was talking about is, so she captioned it that words have power and she mentioned how she was a victim of let me pull it up exactly so i can say it right i don't want to put no words in her mouth because you know amanda seals is somebody who's very what's the word for somebody who people are very like hot or cold about how they feel about them hot or cold i guess polarizing would be the word like some people love amanda seals and some people hate amanda seals yes um and which also is what I feel like really pushed her statements, but she captioned it. Um, your words have power. I've done this and had it done to me. If we can be clearer, we vibrate higher. And by the way, sometimes you're the one that's actually often need to check yourself. So I could see where she inserted herself in there and it kind of led to this. But essentially what she said, she was saying how your words and your opinion of people kind of informs the thoughts around that person. Um, and she just kind of just was saying how you meet somebody once and that first impression kind of alters not only how you view that person, but how the people around you view that person. Um, how do you feel about the need to protect how other people's impression of somebody? Well, <clears throat> Okay, so I'm probably going to say a lot of times, this is probably Marcella talking and not ther therapist Marcella, because <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, those are two different people, okay? Um, but I think, for one, I want to say, I'm going back to the saying, don't read a book by its cover. Don't judge a book I by its cover. Don't judge a book by its <laughs> cover, okay? <laughs> don't judge a book by its cover because... At the end of the day, like you never, like she said in the video, so you really never know a person. Um, you never know like the layers they have you. And then as a as a therapist, of course, I always will also say like you cannot change what other, how other people view you. You cannot mm -hmm. change, you know, what they think about you, how they act towards you. You can't change none of that. So it's like for people to act or react um, a certain way, even because of how another person view them i just was like i know i just know <laughs> that's how i feel about that so do you think that so you think she's right that you have to be mindful of how you speak about people you do have to be mindful i i always think that you do it's not what you say it's how you say it i disagree with the men's seals because okay. The part that she took out of it is you did have the opportunity to actually experience this person. Now, there are situations where on social media, you might have an understanding of who somebody is. Then you meet them and now it's different. But I do, I can also say that that might be part of why you might be more harsh on somebody is because with social media, you feel like you know people that you don't know. 
Um, but I don't think it's my responsibility to protect the impression I have of somebody else if they didn't take the time to protect it themselves. Like, you know, celebrities always want to say we're human, we get to have bad days. But just because you're human don't mean you need to be the cause of somebody else's bad day. Like, don't take your negativity and put it in my direction. And now it's for me to deal with. And now (laughs) I have to be like, oh, maybe they messed up her Starbucks order. Like, that's not, it's like, it's not, I hate. In therapy, my boss, I'm not my boss. Why I call this nigga my boss? In therapy, my therapist <laughs> talks to me about, <laughs> he talked to me about um, not thinking of things as being fair or not. Mm-hmm. It's a way of, the human experience is never fair. Like, it's never going to be fair. So stop thinking of things as fair. So it's not my fault that you, this that you're having a bad day. And it's just kind of like, it's not my responsibility. So now if I do meet a man and she is rude or nasty to me, I'm going to say, I met Amanda Seals. And this is how my interaction went. It might not be the same for you, but this is the, this is the experience I had. And that's something that I kind of deal with with everybody because, again, being human, you pick and choose who you're going to treat in what ways. Exactly. There's been plenty right? of time. It's been plenty of times where you see a celebrity out and they'll speak to you and skip past the next person. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So should I am I supposed to be like, oh, I'm special? Because they spoke to me, they said hi to me, they shook my hand, they took a picture with me. You know, how I can't invalidate somebody else's experience because mine was the opposite of theirs. You know what yep. I'm saying? So I don't feel like I don't feel like what she said is a thing. And again, it could be because there is this perception of Amanda Seals out there. Mm-hmm. And, but I also feel that, because I do agree with everything you said, but my biggest thing I would say is um, even with people, it's like we have to know the things that we can tolerate versus the things we cannot tolerate. I feel yeah. like, so a lot of things with people that we do meet um, a lot of people have a negative, like, when we meet them, it's a negative interaction also because of the things we kind of know of them or the mm-hmm. picture we already painted of them, too. And it can be from social media. It can be from things that we already heard of them. It can be from a lot of different things. So a lot of times we walk into things already with a perception that's probably not even very true. So... Yeah. And then that's why I feel like we have to really be open um, when we do meet people for the first time. Like that first interaction, I feel I feel is very important, and that will set the tone of can I even tolerate even being around this person? Can I tolerate mm-hmm. you know even watching this person continue to engage and support this person based off how I feel with this interaction? Because I know a lot of things that. I um, post or a lot of things that I might say or a lot of things that I might even say to a person face to face is totally different what I might say online Um, or like some things that I might say to like even on a podcast I might say I agree with something or disagree with something but that doesn't mean 
Um, and I might say a different thing, but that does not mean you about to judge me or you have to, or you can judge me just because of this without even knowing why. Why I even agree yeah. or why I even said this. So, so like, a, another thing too is that it's also not my fault that you put yourself in a situation to be nasty to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you, it's like if a celebrity is out in the club and don't want to be in the club, don't want to perform, don't want to do this, don't want to do that, don't leave a bad impression <laughs> and be upset when people only have this impression of you. Like Summer Walker's situation. Mm-hmm. There was the whole thing before about how her stage performance was terrible. She stood there. She was awkward. She was not connecting with the audience, all these things. That was the people who got to see her, that impression of whatever show that they went to in New York or Toronto, wherever it was where that situation happened. But I've seen people who have seen her in maybe like a smaller venue in Atlanta and they loved her performance. She was a totally different person. I guess you don't want to turn the show down for the money aspect, but now you're choosing money over people's perception and understanding of you. And it's like every day you decide who the world's going to meet. Mm-hmm. And it's not up to me to put an armor over you to protect people's impression of you. Like this is the this is my experience that I have with you, <laughs> and that experience can't change. You only get one first impression, for better or worse. And it's not my fault that this is what happened. And it's kind of yeah. like work, like starting a new job. You the interactions you have during the interview are different because there's no responsibility in it. Like I've never had an interview where there was somebody who I interviewed that I hated. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like I never hated the person who was giving me an interview before because Mm -hmm. there was a lack of like accountability or a lack of consequence to our relationship in a way. Um, And of course they can't come across to you mean or nasty in the interview because you get the job. And now you're afraid to speak to this person. Now you don't want to talk to this person. Now you're finding ways to avoid interactions with this person. Like you can't have that. And I feel like that goes for all relationships because people, for some reason, only think rom- relationships exist in the romantic like lens. Like yeah. all relationships are dependent on that interaction. And if you decide to start us off on a bad foot, I can't change that for you the same way you can't change it for me. So Exactly. That's true. That is very true. But um, now, I think even with Amanda Seals and the things that she said, um, I feel that first impressions means a lot. And Mm -hmm. I also feel that, like, when you do meet a person or you do interact with a person, um, I am a person that likes to leave impressions on people. So, like, when I meet somebody, I, most of the time, I'm just this bubbly, try to be, like, positive person, (laughs) because that's honestly who I am. So, if you know me, you know that that's who I am. But, um, so I try to, like, kind of be this positive person. So, people know, like, okay, so, oh, yeah, I met her, and she was pretty nice. So, yeah, I met her, and she was, you know, she was just positive. She was just really outgoing. Um, so I try to leave that type of impression on people, no matter how I feel. Mm-hmm. Some days, of course, I wake up and I'm probably not in the best mood. And especially, you know, Marcella, a couple of years ago, 
I probably would woke up and I really didn't even want to talk to nobody. Probably just had an attitude that probably lasted the whole entire day. And so the thing is still when I interact with people, I might be short. I might like even act in a way that's like, okay, so she probably doesn't want to talk right now. Or when I did meet her, she really wasn't the way that you even described her. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I also be like, it's, it's, a, it's a line because I'm always going to be appealing, I should say. I'm always going to be nice and welcoming, but... Like, make the there, effort, basically. Yeah, there are yeah. days that I'm not going to be this person that I might present any other day. Yeah, because uh, another thing, too, like, I feel like it's an American thing that we do. We only view things as negative when they affect you. Mm-hmm. Like when it's time to make a change, it has to be because it directly affected you. Because yeah. first impressions, when they go great, nobody's ever worried about that. Like there's always mm-hmm. that uh what's that meme that's on social media all the time? It's like your your name is in rooms that you haven't even walked into yet. Yes. People always view that in a good way. Like they always yeah. think like, oh, it's a promotion waiting for me. Oh, it's some money yeah. waiting for me. It's a nigga <laughs> waiting for me. You know what I'm saying? Like they always think it's something in that room, but you don't know what's in that room waiting for you when you get there. Mm-hmm. Like, so the like you just have to approach everything with that because I could have a great meeting with somebody and want to introduce them to somebody else. And even the good things I tell them can inform how they interact with you when they meet you. Like I could think somebody yeah. is this, that, and the third, but now they're developing their own like preconception of what you're going to be or who you're going to be like for better or worse like because you were rude to them that other person i'm talking about might be like well they ain't gonna be rude to me because i'll smack them you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like they already preparing themselves for the interaction it could be oh yeah they was really nice like they might only been really nice to you because they want something from you they need something from you they don't know me like you know what i'm saying it's always like it might be it might be that I need to kind of like I was saying, just approach it as this was my experience. Take that information and do what you mm-hmm. as you please. But at the same time, I'm damn sure not going on my way to be like, so I hope you really like them when you meet them, or I hope you really hate them when you meet them. Like I'm not doing right. that. <laughs> I'm going to just give it to you how I give it to you because I can't control where y'all relationship go after that. I'm only in control of the relationship I have with them. So exactly. And then I got some real brain food because it's got to relate what you just said to. Um, if you give people um, a certain expectation, they're going to disappoint you. Period. Yeah, that's very, if very. You going to give them some like, oh yeah, I already know they're going to act like this. I already know that like any expectations, they're going to disappoint you. Anybody. <laughs> yeah, because there's no there's no such thing as meeting expectations, honestly. You either yeah. exceed them or you don't meet them. Like, exactly. there is no... I used to... And I think I realized that, like, in school. Like, when they used to give us, like, the little progress reports, it'd be like, can do better. Like, it was like, meet, exceeded, or didn't meet, met, or exceeded, or, like, however mm-hmm. they did it. And it was like that one through five, like... yeah. There's no such thing as a three. Like, I either did everything I was supposed to do and there's room for me to grow, or I didn't do everything that I was supposed to do and I need to improve. Like, which one is it? Like, it can't just ever be in the middle. And that's what it's like. 
just like with people. Like I never met nobody and I'd be like, oh, that person's a five. Like I either fuck with them or I don't. Right? Like there is no <laughs> in the middle. Like, and I don't feel like, and I feel like people are only like worried about these things again, like when it affects them, like if it can mess up opportunities for them, if it can, if they can lose something from what you have to say about them, then now it's an issue. And it's just, I guess I get it because nobody wants, I mean, as black people, we don't want anything else more stacked against us as we need. I mean, as we already have, but at the same time, like, when I honestly think about the amount of interactions I actually have to have with people throughout the day, every time it's a bad one, I chose that bad reaction. <laughs> every, yes. every bad interaction I've had with somebody was a choice. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, and sometimes already, I have to make the choice to have the good ones. You, you know what I'm saying? You already painted that worst outcome. You already yeah. set the tone. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to... And again, like... I'm probably saying a lot on this podcast, but like going to therapy really changed the way I think about things because emotions are choices a lot of times. Yes. Majority of the times, emotions are choices. That's the worry right there. Until you can have a better understanding of them, of why you feel that way. Exactly. Or or what makes you feel that way normally, because emotions are also patterns as well. Mm -hmm. Like until then, you won't have an understanding of why things may or may not be working out for you because you're only looking at, you're looking at everything as a consequence Mm -hmm. instead of a choice. And, and I feel like with Amanda Seals thing, she's taking away the choice to be good to people for people. And it's allowing people to say, you know, it's just like, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Like why, why is somebody allowed to have a better, experience than I have with you when I came with good intentions they came with good intentions but for whatever reason didn't work out like why is that now my responsibility to save that for them like I'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like everybody have a bad day once in a while yeah everybody does have a bad day which is why it's important to not take everything so personal too yes because people love to do that everything but i mean again as black people there's a lot already stacked up against it so there are times where you feel like people trying you to try you but unfortunately you do have to sometimes be the bigger person yeah it's not easy but it's not easy but it's a choice (laughs) like it's literally a choice and a lot of things with our emotions too a lot of our emotions are attached two situations and we don't even know or are aware of that emotion and that's why it's so important to know and to be aware of all these different emotions that we have so we know like okay so I do feel like this way towards this situation I might be angry but honestly you probably feeling sad or you really feeling a whole different emotion but you reacting like you just you acting out of pocket just because of the <laughs> yeah. emotion that yeah. you haven't identified yet. So that's why it's so important to know your emotions, know the things that are associated with the emotions that happen. Um, so, cause that's why I tell people a lot too. It's like when you are going through things or when you even feel some type of way about a person, um, mm-hmm. also ask yourself like first pinpoint, why are you feeling some type of way? Like, what is that emotion you feeling? And also, like, why are you feeling that emotion? Did you set a standard for this person? 
Mm-hmm. Like if you set a standard, that's where you messed up already. Yeah. So and you do have. I mean, I I guess. So do we like tend to hope that we get the best version of people all the time? I guess. Like, yeah. is that sometimes our fault for doing that too? It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we set ourselves up for failure because let me tell you what we do as humans. We either set we have we paint this picture. So we think it's either going to go negative. We paint either a negative picture or we paint a positive picture. And so mm. when we paint these pictures, like whatever direction it goes, we literally set that expectations and we just be like, okay, so if it don't go our way, we'd be so mad. And we have emotions towards this person. It literally needs to be towards ourselves. Yeah, true. Because you should, like, again, like there's no... 50 50 like you either getting the good or the bad and it's it's really true you got to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready like exactly. i come into i come into any interaction with a human as like a blank slate i just have to be you ready to you, you know ready to receive whatever they give me and yeah. it's up to me to if i'm going to accept it or not yeah and if i'm going to meet bullshit with bullshit yeah. <laughs> And for a lot of people, they don't want my bullshit to try to meet their bullshit because it's going to be a problem. But, yeah. you know, I'm working on myself, so it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> the one <laughs> the one thing that I've kind of, like, created in situations where I know I have to, like, meet new people or interact with new people, especially in person. If I know it's going to be, like, an extended meeting, like, if there's some mm-hmm. type of, like, business thing work thing friend thing that i don't want to go to something where it's going to be new people that i'm going to have to interact with i pretty much have the same way you have like an elevator pitch for like your business or something mm-hmm. i pretty much have the same thing for when i meet new people i always <laughs> introduce myself <laughs> i introduce myself ask how they're doing and find one thing to compliment <laughs> and hopefully like one thing I could talk about related to whatever's going on like we just had a uh so my job it was supposed to be two days in the office each week we had some network security issues so we've been working from home ever since then my second time ever going in the office was on a day where we had two new people start work and we were having a happy hour after so we get to the happy hour and I'm like, I talk to y'all on the internet every day, but I don't know y'all. You know what I'm saying? And we're about to be at happy hour. People are going to be drinking. I got to watch y'all. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. I, I don't know what kind of vibes go on in this office. Y'all That's know another topic. Professionals so, and happy hour. But keep going. <laughs> I, I thought happy hour was an escape from work. I didn't know I took work to a happy hour, but that's a whole Exactly. <laughs> so we there and that's all I did. Every time I like, and then we have like one of our clients there as well that we work with on a regular. So I only ever see them like once a week on a call for an hour. So now like I'm meeting them. So now I'm, it was easy kind of a happy hour. You just have a conversation, you introduce somebody, you ask what they drinking. You know what I'm saying? That's simple. <laughs> but like if I'm like hanging out with like my friends, especially like here, like hanging out with my friends a couple of times, it'd be like running to people there that we'll know. Like we'll be walking in a, like a bar and I'll see them speaking to somebody and I know they're going to introduce me. So I'm like, bet. Just tell this nigga my name. Find <laughs> something about this nigga's outfit or something that I like. <laughs> like, damn, where you get them shoes? Or, oh, I remember when them <laughs> came out. You know what I'm saying? Just something small to kind of just break the ice and be cordial. Like, I don't, I don't do too much <laughs> or do too little. I just try to stay, like, 
But that's actually a good, that's a good thing because having a plan is very effective. Um, yeah. And that's a plan, honestly. Having a plan is like, and going into things is pretty positive rather than negative because you know how things are going to go. You know, this yeah. is where, how I'm going to do So when you walk in things and you don't have a plan, like you walk in life and you don't have a plan, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be living in fear. You're going to be very fearful of what exactly about to happen. What am I about to say? Yeah. Like, And everybody think life is just, you know, just vibes. No, it's not, honey. <laughs> some of y'all are bad vibes. <laughs> like, y'all don't know this, but a lot of the bad things that are happening are from choices because you're a bad vibe, but it's okay, you know. <laughs> Work on Get yourself. Some help. Fine. And I guess, I mean, I guess that's kind of the homework for the week is just, you know, prepare yourself for those interactions. Like, of course, you never know, like, because one thing we didn't touch on, if you're like out and a dude trying to shoot a shot at you, how you come across in those interactions? Because I've seen a lot of interactions, especially like in college. In college, man, majority of the people, college is majority, it's more black women graduating from college than any other like group of people. So in college, you have a lot of female friends. And you see mm-hmm. a lot of those interactions, and you see those interactions where a dude will approach you, and because <laughs> now you can tell me if I'm wrong or right, because I always thought this: if a dude approach you and you don't find him attractive, why do y'all assume that that's disrespectful? <laughs> <laughs> because every time I see that happens, that's where the altercation happened, where the dude and the girls arguing. Now he call her a bitch. Now he getting beat up outside. Like that's always the like the chain of events because a dude who you don't find attractive wanted to holler at you and now she took it as disrespect and now she got cuss this nigga out why you in my face why you talking to me why you this why you that and now it's an argument <laughs> first <laughs> like, that is hilarious <laughs> but um i think a lot of times that this is where women we set and it's okay we set certain standards for ourselves and mm. the thing is um with these standards ladies just because you just you don't like maybe his presentation at that moment does not mean he's an overall terrible guy or overall like you don't know what's gonna happen so um a lot of times when i because i see a lot of that too um I try not to do that. So um, if I know I'm really not in, okay, so the most, I'm not going to lie. And I feel like I really can't lie a lot too, because if you know me, so. Um, <laughs> so I oh yeah, so like, then I really can't lie on this one. <laughs> <laughs> like we know, that's what's it's also bad about this podcast, because we know when we lie or not. Accountability. <laughs> yeah. The name for a reason. <laughs> So the thing is, honestly, if somebody walk up to me and I already know, I already know I'm not attracted. I I do have a type. So if my type don't walk up to me and and they try to talk to me, instantly I'm turned off. But what I'm about to do, because, you know, like I said previously, I'm just this friendly person. I'm going to entertain you. Also, a thing that I would do, too, um, if... And this is something, okay, the men might not like this, but ladies, y'all might <laughs> Don't worry, appreciate it. I got us, y'all. I got us. I got us. So if somebody is interested and they showing us 
you know, basically what we want. They here showing us attention. They buy the streets. They doing this. They doing that. I'm going to continue to talk to you for this moment. I don't know how long it's going to last, but you over here want to do all this stuff. I ain't doing nothing either. Well, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and milk the cow while it's here. So, yeah. So, honestly, like, don't knock everybody that walk up to you because you honestly never know how useful or how beneficial they'll be in your life. So, Yeah, that's true. Because I will say, especially for men, what you want don't always come in the package that you want it in. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I mean, I guess it's also a part of growing up, like the whole like dream girls thing of like, oh, my dream girls, this, that, and the third. But it's just kind of like a lot of times, I, I guess this kind of does come in, when the frozen persons too, like, you got to be ready for the things that you want. Mm-hmm. So yeah. whatever choice you're making in that situation for better or worse, you have to be ready for the consequence or ready for the reaction to whatever it is you're putting out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay to want something, but you still have to like understand what you really need out of this situation. Yeah. Because you might want the dream girl until you see <laughs> she don't have a bed frame at her house. All right. Now... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's not as desirable because all you really want is company and comfort. But now you only have company because there's no comfort <laughs> from your mattress being on the floor. But <laughs> that's, that's it, you know, though. you just have to pick and choose like in those interactions what you're hoping to get out of it. Mm-hmm. As a man approaching a woman in the bar, if all you want is just a phone number, don't let it turn into an altercation. Like, yeah. And like you said, it goes back to just having a plan. I'm going to speak to her because I want this. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Don't get too far out in what you want because one thing I learned from therapy, nothing is ever solved from one conversation. Mm-hmm. So don't think you're about to get a million things out of one sentence. But Exactly. You know. And that's also what therapy too, because I tell people a lot, is you cannot, you're not going to change over a day. You ain't, you're not going to lose weight. <laughs> After one gym session. Shit, I wish. <laughs> a lot of stuff is do not happen instantly, you know? So, like, don't act like it is. Because it's not. So don't disappoint yourself. Stand some expectations. <laughs> Please, y'all. Very true. Very true. <laughs> um, I guess we can wrap this first episode up, you know? Yeah. I'm excited to see where the podcast go. Yeah. Very- very open i do like having the conversation with a woman because talking to niggas <laughs> i mean not nah, talking to niggas it do be a good conversation it does be a good conversation but a lot of times you know it's just having shared experiences mm-hmm. it's different like i said in the beginning it's different the experience that a woman has with certain things versus a man because even like the approaching situation like you know what i'm saying you like this dude approached me i ain't really that interested but i'm gonna take it for what it is for right mm-hmm. now Till I just decide, okay, this isn't enough for what I want. Yep. And then, like, men don't understand that it's, like, the same thing. But but that's really different, too, because then the <laughs> conversation becomes, like, men are supposed to be giving constantly. 
Oh, that's year. a whole that's a whole discussion. That's a whole that's a whole episode right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's a whole episode, but yeah, I think it's good. Um, so to finish out the episode, we're gonna, each week we're gonna finish with the affirmation. So I have one for this episode, All and right. I think it was great with the first impression thing because you may not be able to control what people are saying about you, but you can control what people are doing with it, mm. or what you decide to do with the impression that's that's out there of you. So the affirmation for this week is the son doesn't ask for permission to sign and neither do I. I feel like my accent just messed that up. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) (laughs) The son does not ask for permission to sign and neither do I. So, you know, you need to close it out. Anything. Shout out your socials, your book. uh, Yes. Agency you work at. (laughs) Practice, whatever you call it. So, um, my name, like I said, is Marcella. You can find me on Instagram, underscore, underscore, Marcella, underscore, underscore. Also, um, my doing a big business, that's my business is what it's called, is also have an Instagram, doing it underscore, underscore, big. <laughs> um, you see, two is obviously my fee. But anyway, um, I also work at Atlanta Psychotherapy um, at, for psychotherapy. Please. If you are going to receive therapy, you do not have to get therapy from from me at that agency. We have a lot of talented Black women um, at that practice. I do work for an all-Black practice. So um, if you are looking for a Black woman therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, please contact us and we'd be more than happy to serve you um also, but is it in atlanta yes or is amaretta gonna blow down on y'all because it's not atlanta it's <laughs> um <laughs> we might get blown down on a little bit because we on a little bit of outskirts of atlanta but we on the south side though so okay. so yes but it's atlanta psychotherapy that's where you can find me um and if you want to do life coaching that's way different and that's from doing a big so just send me a dm hit me up any way you want to and last thing my book i have a self-love journey a 21 day self-love journey it's available on amazon and also through me so if you want to know more about that please check out my instagram or just send me a message and i will be so happy to tell you more about it that's it for me. Um, ish, you can find me on social media at I am underscore the ish on all social media. Um, hit me up if you need photo shoots. I'm a traveling photographer, officially, allegedly. Um, and, you know, just for more conversations. Oh, we do have an email, too. You can email us at heygoldfriend at gmail.com. Like gold, G-O-A-L. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to find a good email. That was the closest thing I could find to accountability I think it's partner, pretty cool. so I guess it was too long. But yeah, make sure y'all use that, converse, have the conversation with us. You know, hit us up in the email. If y'all have any comments, questions, concerns about anything we talk about, we are going to drop weekly. <laughs> weekly is the goal, is to drop weekly. We're looking to give y'all at least three episodes a month. You know, dealing with mental health or mm. discussing mental health can get heavy. So you don't want to like it can. do it every, 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 every week. But maybe even on the last week, you know, maybe as we grow, maybe we can do like a 
live like streams or something mm-hmm. and like have the conversation with people or maybe like the last episode of this month just be like a talking shit episode like just talking it don't gotta be about nothing special just talking about what's been going on in life what's been going on on social media which is like a whole second life shit <laughs> talk about if we got drafted to go to the war because i'm not going i live too close <laughs> to dc i live too close to dc for niggas to be starting war now y'all could have started the war when i was living in ohio like, actually, that wouldn't have been no better because I live next to an Air Force base. So, yeah, I'm screwed wherever I'm at. But, you know, right, basically. But, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, that's so it. We'll you catch y'all see, next week. Yes, we like to talk. So, please, please, please engage with us, talk with us, give us more topics you want to hear from us because we would love to talk about it. For sure. But, Bye, you know, we'll catch y'all next week. My bad, you can say bye again. I cut you off. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna leave it alone.